This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome aboard National Football Show. And do we have a big one lined up for you today? Big Tills in the house. Appreciate everybody stepping in with us already. Please hit the like button. I want to get the guest out of the way because you're going to enjoy it. By the way, I don't want to hear Eagle Guy doing this. Cowboys! Cowboys, Sills! You got to beat that team, guys. That is your... That is your standard. You got to beat the Cowboys. The Cowboys have run the division for the last couple years. Since the 17 Super Bowl, it's really been... The Cowboys. You got to beat that team. So, the CEO of the Dallas Cowboys, Stephen Jones, will join us at the bottom of this hour. We'll talk some Sixers basketball with our legendary Hall of Famer, Rick Barry, at 4.30 Eastern time. But mark it down. Bottom of the hour. The CEO of the Cowboys, Stephen Jones, will join us. And we'll talk some Cowboy football because, as I've said, you got to beat that team. And I think you have a great chance, a great chance this year of catching the Cowboys. The Cowboys, there's no question about it, have walked backwards. The loss of Randy Gregory on the defensive side. You know, Gregory, with all of his issues, the one thing you could say about him when he's on the field, that guy is an impact football player. I've always said this before. I've had an issue with him because of his decision-making, smoking marijuana before the combines, knocked him down in the draft when he came out of Nebraska. But when his head is right, I think the Denver Broncos have added an impactful player to that defensive side of the football for them. The Broncos have had a spectacular, spectacular offseason. So and, and anytime you can add a guy like Randy Gregory and Russell Wilson to your football team. The Broncos, like I said, really fabulous offseason. You got to look at what they did now with Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper's now in Cleveland. How much of an impact is that going to have on Dak Prescott? The Eagles have added players. The Eagles have put quality guys on the roster. I think this is going to be a great battle this year between the Cowboys, Washington, and Philly. So once again, the CEO of the Cowboys, Stephen Jones, will be with us. That'll be at the bottom of the hour. And as I said to you guys, please hit the like button. Paul says Dak has had two 4,000-yard seasons. You know what, though? Paul, I would say this to you about Dak. He's got to start translating more of it into postseason wins. Okay? He's got to start winning more, in my opinion, in the postseason. You can't win the division, have the kind of football team that you had a year ago, and get bounced 
in your opening round of the playoffs. You can't. Zach says, we got them this year, Sills. It's going to be an Eagle division. I believe it. I'm with you. Hey, um, Bradbury, from what I understand, the Raiders have great interest in them as well. Joey B, I appreciate you coming aboard. Okay? That's right, Tony. What good is it putting up 4,000 yards passing when you get bounced in the opening round of your playoffs? Dax 1-3 and three in the postseason? Hey, join the group there with Aaron Rodgers over the last couple of years. It's not very easy to win in the postseason. That's why some of these legendary guys have spectacular, spectacular, spectacular postseason marks like Montana and Brady. Those guys own it. I think Joe's 16 and 5 in the postseason. Brady's numbers, what is it, 37 wins or some crazy number like that? He almost doubles the next guy, which is Joe Montana. It's not that easy to win in the postseason. Peyton Manning's 14 and 13. Brett Favre is two games over 500. It's not as easy as you think. So, all that being said, big show lined up again for you. Like I said, I'm looking forward. I was just telling Xander, let me hit on this just a little bit here. I'm looking forward to game five with the Sixers. Joel Embiid has me watching this series, more so than any other series, obviously. I just love this guy. He's an old school dude. There's two dudes I'm rooting for, Giannis and Embiid. I want to see those two guys in the Eastern Conference Finals, man. I'd love to see that. I would love to see that happen. If we were fortunate enough to get that into a championship setting, I don't care. I want to see those two guys going after one another. That's that, that that's made for television. So I'm looking forward to game five. All right. Folks, I think Jalen Hurts got the best news that you could possibly give a player. Do you know what that is? The Philadelphia Eagles have the 30th hardest schedule in the NFL for this 2022 season. Glenn Rivers, dude, I'd run through a wall for you. We so agree on so much. And yes, Hurts isn't the answer. The answer is the kid in Kentucky. I said it to you yesterday. By the way, I finished my first mock draft. Wait till you hear how many quarterbacks are going to go in the top 32 picks next April. Hey, brother, Glenn, love you, man. Thank you so much for writing that. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate what you did too there. Thank you. So Jalen Hurts is going to get the benefit of the 30th hardest schedule. You know the Cowboys have an easier schedule than what the Eagles do? The Cowboys, and they won the division. Okay? And they won the division. Jalen is going to get an opportunity with this new group of players. You think it's a thing? They have the 30th toughest schedule in the NFL. Boy, that's set up for success. Everything is now set up. For Jalen Hurts to have a season that could maybe solidify him as the player that could be here for the next five years, 10 years, as a starting quarterback. You, you, I think this is huge. 
You're not going to have a schedule like the Rams. You're not going to have a schedule like Kansas City where you're playing monsters. How would you like to be in the AFC West this year? Or let alone the NFC West. How would you like to be in that division? Where like all four teams in the AFC West could arguably make the postseason. I'm just, it's incredible. And you're now set up for success. There is nothing, nothing, nothing that should be in the way right now of Jalen Hurts not winning this job. I think his odds have now gone up. I think it's now gone up of him being your quarterback going into the next five years. Am I wrong? He's, guys, this is it. He's got it. New additions, A.J. Brown, strong running attack, another year with Devontae, another year with Nick Sirianni. A weak schedule. A weak NFC East. Dude. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing how this is lining up for him. It's really, in my opinion, being put at his doorstep now for him to step through and say, I'm the quarterback here. No wonder he's got a lot of excitement. The schedule's weak. The team's getting stronger. The division is kind of walking back more. I mean, think about it. The Giants, they're not picking up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones. Carson Wentz has to prove finally that he can win a job and stay there. The Cowboys have lost players and sort of rebuilding in the O-line. Chris says, what if Hurts takes the Eagles to a Super Bowl? I got to say this to you guys. Where's that sheet? I wrote this down. I don't think he gets enough credit, and maybe I've been banging on this thing too much. What kind of owner do you think you have in Jeffrey Lurie? Look at what's happening here. They're rebuilding the team in front of your eyes, and since the Super Bowl win, they're really doing a pretty decent job at retooling and rebuilding. You know, we said it yesterday to you that, you know what? They do believe organizations win championships. That's their philosophy. We figured it out. Do you believe that Jeffrey Laurie is a good owner? Busa says good owner. I don't know why the Cowboys have the easiest schedule at 31st. I think they're tied. Chris says Laurie is a snowflake liberal. I don't care about his politics. I care he puts football teams together, Chris. I don't give a shit about that stuff. I don't care about his politics. I don't care about his religion. I care he's the owner of a football team that doesn't allow people like Reggie White to walk out the building, or you don't sign a guy like Jim Lachey who could have helped your football team back in the day when you had that legendary gangrene defense. As much as I love Norman Brayman, he was a horrible owner. He was the Charlie Finley of football back in the day. Never wanted to spend money. You heard what Keith Byer said last Friday. Reggie would never have left Philly. They just gave him a month. 
money contract that matched what Green Bay did. He never wanted to leave. Lori is in the middle of the pack. It's funny you should say that because I put some statistics down here on your owner since he took control of the team in 94. He's 90% cheap-ass, too. I think he's more frugal. Hey, Paul, from what I've learned now from Keith Byers, there is no doubt Norman Brandman was a terrible owner. Okay? That's right, one above all. I don't care he's a liberal or conservative. I could care less. Build my football team. Let's win games. Let's be contending, not competitive, contending. I don't give a shit about that. Why does that play? You know what? It's funny on how today in our society, how that really bleeds in. If you're a MAGA guy or you're not a MAGA guy, people like put that in as your character. When years ago, that never mattered. I don't care what your politics or religion. I care what kind of person you are, what kind of human being you are. I care how you treat others. I care how you talk to others. I care how you really, when no one's watching, that's when you really get a true sense of who a guy is. Not when the lights are on you. Samuel, Jerry Jones has been a spectacular NFL owner. He has been a spectacular NFL owner. Sec, I just, for me, man, I don't care what people's sexuality, their religion, their politics. Okay? That's a different conversation. When I'm talking sports with you, I don't sit here and go, well, he's a conservative, so I'll talk to him later. Um, no, he's a liberal. I can kind of hit on him. Hey, no, I, I don't do that, man. I don't classify people. You're either a jackass or you're a good dude, man. Like my grandfather back in the day, there's no gray area. Okay? There's no gray area, man. My, my pop it was right and wrong. Right and wrong, nothing in the middle. He hated wafflers. Hated it. Since 94, when Lori took the control of the team from Brayman's group, 244-202 for a 54% win percentage. 17-10 in the postseason. 16 playoff appearances. Two Super Bowl appearances. Two, two NFC championships. Obviously the Super Bowl. Numerous conference championship games. The guy's been a great owner. Name me a better owner in the NFL since 94. Kraft and who? Kraft and who? Uh, Bolin? Who owned the Broncos? Who's selling the team now? Maybe. Biscotti? Who owns the Ravens? I want you to think about this here, about your owner with the Eagles. Name me a better owner other than Kraft since 94 when he grabbed the team. Name me one. Jerry? Probably. Probably. Three Super Bowls. It was early in the run. Steelers. Steelers are in the conversation. Think about where we're going here now. Steelers. Cowboys. Patriots. Eagles. These are, since 1994, 
Jeffrey Lurie has been a top five owner in the league. Am I wrong? The Maras and the Tishes, you could debate. Go back and forth. You could debate. The last 10 years in New York, the Giants have sucked out loud. Seattle, Paul Allen, that's been a pretty good one. Passed away. The family hasn't run the team as of late correctly because obviously the family's not Paul Allen. Paul Allen was a heck of a partner in the NFL as well. Am I, am I right? Would, would you put Jeffrey Lurie in the top five as owners in the NFL? Rand Skip Town, that's a great one, man. By the way, they're getting sued too. Packers don't have an owner. Green Bay Packers do not have an owner. Since 94, when he grabbed control of the team from the Norman Brayman group, would you say you have a top five owner in the NFL? Is he better than Kroenke? I think so. Got a brand new stadium, which I've been to five times. I love it. Been to numerous conference title games. The brand is better than ever before. The ownership group has done a nice job at retooling and rebuilding. Robert Kraft, obviously, Randall, is the number one owner since 94. I think, quite frankly, that's around the time that um, Bob Kraft got the team from Victor Kayyem, too. Victor Kayyem owned the Patriots. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Victor Kayyem sold the team to Bob Kraft. And Bob ended up taking control around the same time that Jeffrey Lurie took control of the Eagles. That's pretty impressive. For all the crap that people give the owner, the owner's been pretty successful. He's owned a team for 28 years. 16 playoff appearances. I mean, that's Steeler stuff. A Super Bowl. Right? By the way, I would say to you a bunch of near misses too. My opinion, if they win that last game at the vet and they get in that Super Bowl against the Raiders, do we all agree they win that game too? That that year, the Super Bowl was really played between the Bucks and the Eagles. They were the two best teams. Because in my opinion, the Eagles would have went into that game against the Raiders, and they would have kicked the tar out of them. I mean, look, I went and looked at all the rest of the owners. 1980 was a different ownership group. He's owned a team since 94. Owned the team since 94. And I'm talking about the Raiders when the Bucs beat the Raiders in San Diego. I'm not talking about the 80 game um, where the Raiders won that Super Bowl. I'm talking about the last game at the vet. Okay? How much credit do you give Kraft for Belichick's success? Davy Boy, a bunch. A bunch. Let's not forget something. They went to a Super Bowl before Bill Belichick was the head coach when Bob Kraft owned the team. 
They got beat by the Packers. Kraft owned a team then. That was Parcells as the head coach then. And they got beaten at Super Bowl, if you remember right. But Bob Kraft owned a team. So Kraft has been a great football owner. And, and for the record, I don't know how Bob Kraft is not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, this guy is the most dominant owner in NFL history, or at least since the Super Bowl era. I don't know in history. Maybe you'd have to go George Hallis, the Robbies, the Roonies, the Maras too. I mean, I would throw them in there. But since the Super Bowl era, Bob Kraft has the greatest football dynasty next to the Roonies. Okay, because the Roonies have done it since 69. Really, the Patriots have been doing it pretty much since 94. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's been remarkable. Your owner has put quite a resume together. So when you see what they're doing, you know what you got to really start looking at? Because now that I'm getting a really good portrait of what the Eagle management and ownership believes in they believe in their front offices there's no question their front offices run their football team run their budget run their football team the coaches and the players are interchangeable they're interchangeable no matter if Doug Peterson's there or Nick Sirianni's there that's how they do business and if they're not getting it done they will make a move and they won't have any emotional ties to anyone like the fans do in Philly. You see, the fans have emotional ties into whether or not you like Carson Wentz or not, whether or not you like Doug Peterson or not, whether or not you like Donovan McNabb or not. That's not how that front office looks at it. Joe Banner, Howie Roseman, all those guys, they look at it through the lens of the owner while the owner builds the team through the front office. It's almost like the Chicago Bulls way of building it. Jerry Krause believed that front offices, and for the record, Jerry Krause was a hell of a talent evaluator in Chicago with the Bulls. Look at what he did. Found Tony Kukoc. Got Rodman. Found Pippen. Hired Phil Jackson. Fired Doug Collins. This was all Jerry Krause doing this. Now, obviously, he wasn't able to duplicate once all those guys were let, but they believed that they were going to run that franchise through the front office. Big Sills to get a job with the Eagles. Samuel, no. I'm looking at where you are right now and how they get to where they want to get to. You see, to me, Samuel, what I do here every day, I try to figure out mentality and I try to figure out what Jimmy Johnson used to tell me all the time. You know what that is? That's getting a profile of how your organization acts. Gregory says, Dan, the year that the Cardinals played the Steelers in the Super Bowl, they beat the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. I think if the Eagles had won that game, they beat the Steelers that year. I probably, Gregory, those Eagle teams that went to all those conference title games back in the day, those games were so close and so good. I would say this. How many years did you guys go to four, what was it, four straight conference title games? I would say in those four conference title games, I'd say about 
80 plays separated you guys from going to Super Bowls. 80 plays in all four of those. About 20 plays a game separated you guys from maybe winning a Super Bowl during that run. It was a well-constructed team. They were powerful. They had a great coach. Okay? They had a great defensive coordinator. Make no mistake about it. Those football teams were primed and ready. So when we talk again, and we started to show up with Jalen here, having everything set up for him, the organization now has it in the hands of Jalen Hurts. And you know what you're really liking here? Whether or not here, I said something to you guys yesterday on this. And I'll say it again to you. Whether or not you believe in Jalen and whether or not the Eagle management 100% believes in Jalen, hey, and for the record, I don't really think any ownership group or any, any GM's office completely believes in a player 100% unless you're somebody with a resume like Tom Brady. And you see the consistent success of it. I think they're always looking to upgrade coaches, players, assistants, personnel departments. They're constantly looking at always getting better. So whether or not they're buying into Jalen, it's irrelevant. They're looking at it through their lens today, going into September. This kid's got every chance to win this. And it's, wouldn't, hey, and think about where Howie Roseman is. Don't you think that Howie Roseman, it would be a feather in his cap if he drafted a second round quarterback who became the franchise quarterback, had him on a rookie deal, replaced him with Carson Wentz, and this guy goes on to leading a team to a Super Bowl. Don't you think he wants that? Howie doesn't want to go into the draft and have to use a first-round draft choice to get a quarterback. He wants this kid to succeed. Here, if he'll keep Jalen Rager or Derek Barnett on a football team, how would you not think he doesn't want Jalen to succeed? He's not setting the kid up for failure here. He wants the kid to play. He wants the kid to be successful. That's how he's looking at this. Jeremiah goes, he would have the keys to the city. Absolutely, he would have the keys to the city. He would completely have it. You know, I, I, I wrote down, and, and, and by the way, we kind of hit on this yesterday. So we're going to, here, the schedule is easier. They've added players. Look at what Howie has put himself and the team in. Look at all the draft choices for next year. Let me read you guys a list. I wrote this down here. Look at how many quarterbacks are going to go in the first round. Listen to this. Howie has it perfectly set up. Listen to this. I gave you this list yesterday. 
Will Levis, Kentucky, probably be the first player taken. One. C.J. Stroud, Ohio State, two. Bryce Young, Alabama, three. Kyler Van Dyke, Miami, four. Now watch this. Four, that's in the top ten. Devin Leary, NC State, five. Malik Cunningham, Louisville, six. Okay? Anthony Richardman, Richardson, Florida, <coughs> seven quarterbacks. Anthony Richardson, Malik Cunningham, Louisville, seven quarterbacks are going to go in the first round next year. Seven. That's pretty remarkable. Seven quarterbacks with first-round grades. Just to show you the dynamic of this year, only one went. There's going to be a flooding of quarterbacks in next year's NFL draft. Seven quarterbacks are going to be taken in the top 25 picks. And the Eagles have two first-round picks next year. The Eagles can't lose. They can't lose this. The schedule's not that tough. They're going to get an opportunity to succeed. I think the NFC East is going to be as competitive as it's been, as it continues to get better. I think they're going to continue to get better. I think the the organizations have decided, look, what the Giants did. The Giants went out, hired Brian Dable. Brian Dable did a hell of a job with Josh Allen and the development of him. Look at, you always can tell what a division is doing when you see the coaches that are in that division. Cody says, this is Hurts' year to shine. I hope he does because the team will be good and will be winning. Cody, set up for him. There's no excuses. Omar says how he wants Hurts to succeed. We want how he did. You should. How many became elite? My guess is two or three most. Sean, that's every single NFL draft. The quarterback position is the most difficult position to evaluate. For whatever reason, it's the most difficult. Okay? My friends, without further ado, I am so proud to bring our friend in, Stephen Jones, the CEO of the Dallas Cowboys. You know, I had Jimmy Johnson on with us a couple weeks ago, and I can't believe since 1989 that the Jones family has owned the team and the job that they have done in expanding the brand and the winning that they have done. Stephen, thank you so much for coming aboard. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. It's great to be on with you today. And, uh, I look forward to our visit. Hey, Stephen, can can you believe it's been this 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 long now since you've owned the team? Eighty nine Valley Ranch. I was there. Your very first training camp. I mean, to see where the team 
has gone to see what you guys have do. What has been your greatest accomplishment? You think the ownership of what you and your dad have done with the Cowboys? Well, I, I'll tell you this: it's like being on a treadmill maxed out. Uh, we've certainly been uh, uh, getting a getting a lot accomplished and having a lot of fun and enjoying the ride. But uh, I tell you one thing: we've had so many. We're so blessed in so many ways. Uh, so many good things happened to us uh, along the way. Jerry said when we first bought the team, he said, you know, one of the key things when you get a chance to husband, if you will, uh, an asset like the Dallas Cowboys is you're never you want to leave it in a better place than where you found it. And certainly we take a lot of pride in, you know, AT&T Stadium, uh, Texas Stadium was certainly a, an amazing place. But uh, uh, it's great that we uh, have a great house there at AT&T Stadium. And then, of course, the uh, star, which is our practice where our practice facility is and all the things we've done around our brand here. But, uh, you know, the thing that uh, really hits home after over 30 years of uh, competing in the NFL is how hard it is to win a championship. And certainly, uh, you know, we were able to uh, win three there in a short period of time there at the beginning. But at the same time, there's a hole uh, in your stomach, uh, you know, when it's been this long since we've been able to bring another championship to our fans here in Dallas. Stephen, has it been so much because of the parity in the game that has made that accomplishment harder for you guys to duplicate what you did in your first seven years owning the team? It's been because every year now, because of salary caps, probably made it even more difficult because you can't keep a team constructed year in and year out any longer. And with the strength of schedule, with all the things that the league does to make parity part of the process, has that also made it tougher to be consistently successful? Well, there's uh, at the end of the uh, end of the day, there's no excuses, and uh, certainly the Patriots had to deal with the same rules that we dealt with. Uh, other teams have uh, obviously won Super Bowl championships and done a great job, and for whatever reason, is uh, we were able to pull it off there early and, and win, you know, three Super Bowls in four years, and you know, have the success we had there with Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin and Emmett Smith and company. Uh, you, you know, obviously, uh, Jimmy, uh, you mentioned Jimmy playing a role in that, uh, you know, as our head coach, he and coach Switzer, but, uh, you know, as a hell of a run, but, uh, for whatever reason, it's been elusive. We've had some really good football teams, you know, under Tony Romo, under Dak Prescott, uh, you know, some great opportunities, uh, there where we felt like we had Super Bowl caliber teams that we just didn't get the job done. And, uh, we've just got to take that next step. Uh, I really like. Uh, our foundation here, uh, certainly, you know, leading the way, uh, you know, he's got the it factor. He's got incredible leadership. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, rare leadership qualities is Dak Prescott. And we all know that's what it takes to uh, ultimately uh, get get on a roll here is you, you've got to have superior play at the quarterback position. We think Dak uh, has been bringing that and will continue to bring it because you know, he has such a desire to be great. He's got an insatiable appetite to do whatever it takes. And uh, I, I just think our time's coming. we got to keep grinding. Uh, we think we had a good off uh, off season. I know a lot of people are saying, well, how do you have a good off season when you lose Amari Cooper, when you lose Randy Gregory, when you lose, a, uh, you know, a Lyle Collins? 
you know, we, we think it's our time for our younger guys now to really step up. We're starting to uh, retool that offensive line, go with Zach Martin and Tyron Smith, some young players coming in there, uh, certainly a, a C.D. Lamb and a Michael Gallup and Tolbert we just drafted there in the uh, third round. So we, we think the era is up with these young players, and it's time, uh, you know, we need need some guys to really step up. Steven, were you were you okay? Were you happy? Does he have to get better with Dak Prescott's play in 2021? We were happy with it. I just think, uh, you know, we all got to get better. We didn't get the job done. And I think everybody wears that. Uh, starts at the top with with Jerry and myself. Uh, certainly uh, Mike McCarthy has to be better. Will McClay has to be better. Our coaching staff has to be better. And every player on our football team has to be better. Uh, you know, when we get the job done, then we can start saying, well, hey, some people are, have gotten it right. But uh, I think if you ask anyone uh, walking around out at the star uh, who has anything to do with the football side of our business, uh, everybody would agree we have to do a better job. Um, the draft. Um, were you happy with it? I know you and your dad take great pride in your personnel department when it comes to evaluating players. You guys want guys to win their second contracts. Were you happy with the group? I know you guys. And one thing, too, Stephen, that I don't think people really are putting into this, if I'm not mistaken, I think you guys have brought back 12 players and either on one, two, or three-year contracts to redo the cap a little bit so that you're reinvesting not only in the players that you evaluated or brought in, but also the players that you drafted in the past. So that's got to go along with what your drafting is, investing in your players. So were you happy with the way the offseason has gone so far? Well, in general, uh, you know, you can broad stroke that and say, where's the Super Bowl? And that's always going to be the question. But I do think we've drafted well and we're big believers. That's how you build the foundation of your time is buying through the draft. Uh, certainly, uh, there's teams out there. Uh, you look at, uh, you know, how the Buccaneers did it two years ago and the Rams did it this year with two veteran quarterbacks they brought in in the first year. And, you know, they're Super Bowl champions. But we at the same time believe you, you, you build it foundationally. Uh, you know, as you said, uh, we've had a lot of success in the draft with players playing, uh, you know, making, you know, playing at high levels, uh, Pro Bowl type levels. Uh, but at the same time, we got to take that step. Now, uh, if you look at our record and you look at uh, how we put our board together, I always say all 32 like the way uh, they drafted because they're drafting off their board. And uh, we felt good about our board this year. And certainly we feel like we got value uh, every step of the way. As we made our picks in this draft and really do feel like, you know, that we were able to uh, improve our football team across the board. Uh, certainly, uh, these guys got to get in here and play and show what they're about before you toot their horn. Uh, but we feel really good about the draft and what it did for our football team. Two last questions for you, Stephen. Um, areas of the football team that you still need to address and that you're concerned about going into mini camps, OTAs, and then eventually in July's training camp? Well, you know, in, in general, I think we've done a good job of, uh, per, you know, creating, uh, you know, uh, a good competitive team across the board. Uh, you look at the receiver position, we drafted Tolbert. Uh, we brought in uh, Washington from Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, really feel like uh, we helped there because we lost Sed Wilson. We lost Amari Cooper. Uh, obviously, Gallup's coming off an injury. We're, we're going to have to work through that. So, you know, that's probably, uh, you know, has some question marks to some degree. Uh, but we really felt like in the draft, we beefed up the offensive line. 
uh, with our first pick, Smith, and uh, and then obviously, uh, uh, you know, had a few other picks throughout the draft there that we felt like we helped ourselves. So overall, we feel good. Uh, but player acquisition is ongoing. Uh, it goes on throughout the off season and goes on, uh, you know, throughout the, the the season. So if we see a great chance to improve ourselves, we will. Uh, but we really feel good about our football team as well. Final question for you. Stephen, you have always been with your dad and going all the way back to the history of you guys owning the team. You guys believe in the draft solely in developing and pouring that cement and that foundation for your franchise. Do you think over the last couple of years, what we've seen with free agent being such a major play, the last two Super Bowl champions, uh, Brady down in Tampa, then you see what the Rams have done. The Rams, I don't even know when they have another number one pick. I mean, maybe 2035 the next time they pick in the first round. Do you think we're now changing out of the draft and free agency, free agencies becoming more of a player? Or do you think the draft will always supersede that? You know, that's a, a great question. I don't think anyone has the answer to that. There's a lot of different ways to uh, have success in this league. Certainly, uh, as I mentioned, Tampa brought Tom Brady in and surrounded him uh, with some veteran players along with a good uh, young foundation they had there. And then uh, certainly the Rams bring in Stafford and bring in some good veteran players and, and they're able to, uh, uh, you know, dodge bullets and get through the playoffs, which everybody had to. I think it was one of the more exciting playoffs in the history of the NFL, which pretty much uh, every game as you got into the uh, got into the playoffs, they were decided on the last drive. So this thing's very close. Uh, I don't necessarily know that there's a way to do it. I think there's a lot of different ways to do it. And uh, I think that's what makes the game exciting. I don't think you can go say, well, that's a, uh, you know, not the right way to go about your business. Uh, if you pull off and pull up there and you win a Super Bowl, then certainly uh, makes a lot of things worth it. I know uh, certainly what uh, Jerry and our family and what our organization would do to, uh, you know, put another trophy, uh, you know, in, in the halls of uh, uh, our headquarters here. It, it would mean a lot. So uh, we've just got to continue to grind. We've got to continue to work at it, improve our football team. And uh, like I said, I like uh, who's leading us in Dak Prescott, and I think he's going to give us an opportunity to have a great football team every year. I have to give you this on the way out the door. Jimmy Johnson, Butch Davis um, all said this, Arkansas and them Razorbacks look like they're back, and it looks like they're getting ready to do some damage. And uh looks like the program's heading in the right direction. you got to be happy what you're seeing with them hogs. Always love our Razorbacks, and uh, Coach Pittman's doing an amazing job up there, and I know uh, Razorback fans across the Ozarks are getting fired up about the fall. Absolutely. Stephen, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. Good to be on. You bet. Stephen Jones, the CEO of the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> you eagle guys, man. <laughs> Spectacular. <laughs> oh, man. You guys, I love you, man. I do. This is what football is all about right here. Talking to the owner of the Dallas Cowboys and then <laughs> watching your <laughs> Is this how you act? When you're in the stands and Dallas is in town, please tell me. Please tell me. Is this how you act? Uh. 
<laughs> hey, man, hit the like button. We'll respond. Tell me if you believe it or not. Hey, our great friends at Morgan & Morgan, where the fee is free. Folks, choosing an attorney is one of the most important things you could possibly do. If you're hurt or injured on the job, finding that attorney is one of the most important things you can have for your family as you're getting fair compensation. For the people, it's not a slogan. It's what they do. It's who they are. Last 30 years, Morgan & Morgan has gotten compensation over $13.5 billion for their clients. They will not be intimidated. They're the biggest casualty in law firm in the country. They will make sure they get the proper settlement for you and your family with over 800 attorneys in offices in Philadelphia, New York, Florida, all across the country. Morgan & Morgan is there for you. The call is free, 800-512-1600. That's 800-512-1600. There's no attorney firm like Morgan & Morgan. The consultation's free, 800-512-1600. And when you call them, do me a favor, tell them Big Sill sent you. When choosing a lawyer for your injury case, you may ask, does the size of the law firm matter? Well, of course it does. The insurance company, they're huge with unlimited resources. And whether your case is big or small, they're built to bully you out of the money you're owed. But here's the good news. We're big too, the biggest actually. And we're built to fight to make them pay for all that was taken from you. Size is our strength. There's only one Morgan & Morgan, forthepeople.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Yo, okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? 
I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Stills, National Football Show. Don't you guys want to know what the enemy's thinking? Jesus, criminy. I'm bringing these people on because these are the people that say yes, no. Not some stiff in a market that writes a blog. I get the owner of the Cowboys on. I'm going to get Ron Rivera on. Yes, no, people. I hate getting people who just sit back and have pads and pencils and give you an opinion on something that doesn't mean shit. Stephen Jones's opinion, by the way, when the old man kicks the bucket, he's the owner. He now basically runs the Cowboys on a day-to-day operation. Jesus, Cramony. Don't you want to know what your enemy's thinking at all times? What's going on around you? I guarantee you, inside the Novacare Center, they have every single board up of what Washington, the Giants, and the Cowboys are doing. Because you kind of counteract what they do. You've got to beat Dak Prescott. See, this is this is something that you're not thinking clearly. You got to beat Dak. You guys are talking about winning 13 ball games this year. Really? You guys are talking about winning 13 ball games when you're getting destroyed by the Cowboys. How's that possible? It's not reality conversation. You can't beat Dallas. You're not winning 13 games. You think you're competitive with Dallas this year? With the way that quarterback played last year? And... You know what you're doing right now? You're wishful thinking that he's going to be better. You don't know that. I don't know that. You're assuming that. What if he's not? What if he's not? You got to beat Dallas. Giants suck. Washington will implode because the quarterback will. Chris says he basically told you nothing. Great, Chris. How many shows do you know who get the owner of the Cowboys on? The hell's wrong with you, guy? The owner of the Eagles doesn't even do. How many times does he go on in Philly? Once a year? Give me a break. I got him on here. Whatever. Yeah, okay. Here, let me get a dot-com stiff on in Philly to give me some lame-ass opinion about something he has no clue about. You have no idea if Jalen Hurts is going to be a better player or a worse player with A.J. Brown. You know, it's funny. I've been playing around with that little thought for a while here. So he didn't get better with Calvin Ridley and with Judy 
and with all those great players at Alabama, but all of a sudden now he's just going to all of a sudden have an epiphany and turn out to be Steve McNair this year. Give me a break. Right. Because they added A.J. Brown. Jalen's better. We'll see. We'll see. Okay? Okay? Levin wins. Dallas jokes no matter what. It's better. That's a true statement. Big Sills, I see that how he's going on sports take. Is he going to jump on? Oh, no, they're not putting him on my show. No, absolutely not. They may put the coach on. No, Mac, I'm not. Mac, no, 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 no. Mac, I'm not. Mac, I'm really not freaking out. I promise you. I just get my Italian up. That's all, man. It's all good. I love all you guys, man. You guys are, no, 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 no. Don't start kissing my ass and getting out of the way you guys are because I don't need that. That's for snowflake people in California. You stick to who you are there. You know why? Because I love it. You guys hate the Cowboys. I understand that. You guys were raised to hate the Cowboys and the Giants and Washington. It's okay. You were raised that way. As far as I'm concerned, I think it's a merit badge the way you guys act. Screw that guy. Dallas sucks. Get him out of my face. I love it. Okay? I love it. How you doing, Ernest? Mike says, we don't give two craps about Stephen Jones. I'd rather listen to ice cream truck drivers. (laughs) Why do you hate Dallas? I don't hate Dallas. I played for the Cowboys. I don't hate them. Dallas sucks. I'm in California, not a snowflake. Okay, excuse me. (laughs) I knew I'd get called out. Tate, thank you, man. Okay. (laughs) Look at that. Look at the CC. Look at Tate. He was right. He ain't from California. Okay? You're in California. Tate, nobody... In California has that attitude. Say that to my face, jackass. I'll show you who what I was up. Okay? Huh? I'm in California. I'm like you, Tate. Say that shit to my face. <laughs> Leave my joy alone. Wow, you did play for you did play, got yes, Ernest. Yes. Yes. Oh my god, I have a really great. I'll show you. Maybe I can run up in a break and get it. I think you guys will like it. It's, it, it's, it's, it's the very first training camp for Jimmy Johnson, Jerry Jones, and Stephen Jones. It's when we were told to report. <laughs> yeah. Hey, by the way, top of the hour, four players. Four players I'm going to hit on and their impact on this upcoming 2022 season. Don't forget also at 4.30, we're going to talk some Sixers with our friend Rick Barry, one of the top 20 players in the history of the NBA. You talk about a dude that brings it. And by the way, he's not a fan of Doc Rivers. He hates Doc Rivers. So, I mean, 
But I would say that Rick Barry is one of the top 20 players in the history of the sport. Finals MVP, all that. So we'll talk to him. And I can't wait to see him bead. Hey, and, and this is what I would say to you about Jimmy Butler. Let Jimmy Butler get 35. The key is stopping Hero and the rest of them dudes. Don't let them go off. Don't let them go off. All right, real quick here. We started the show with, with, with Jalen having everything set up for him. Look at how many quarterbacks are going to go into the draft. Seven quarterbacks are going to get drafted in the top 30 picks. Okay? Seven. The Kobe Dean going to be rookie defensive player of the year. We're going to hit on all that at the top of the hour. Game five tonight, smile. I'm looking forward to it. Americans don't like Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. No one cares about the Jones family. Timothy, the Jones family has been one of the most important people for the growth of the NFL, of any franchise and any ownership group. The National Football League has grown because of Jones and the leadership. The commissioner of the NFL may be Roger Goodell, but the guy who makes all the decisions, okay, the guy who makes all the decisions for the league is Jerry Jones, okay? You could argue the number one family for growing NFL in the past 15 years. That's what Xander says. Okay, here, when Jerry bought the team for $154 million in 1989, the team's now worth $6 billion. I don't know. <laughs> okay? I, 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 I don't know. Sounds pretty impressive to me. $6 billion. Do you guys, I'm going to tell you, Duck, you read my mind. Duck is part of the TV contracts. Duck, I'm going to tell you something here that Jerry and Steven told me. Before we get to the top of the hour, you guys want to hear an inside story? You guys want to hear an inside story? And it happens to do with Disney. You see, Disney stock is down 70% since they went woke. Do you, do, do you want me to tell you a story? So, do you guys remember Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, right? Okay. Let me think. I think this is okay because Iger's no longer there. So Bob Iger walks in. Jerry Jones, Bob Kraft. I think Paul Allen was alive. And I think Franke or who's ever on the TV contract. I know that Kraft, maybe even Daniel Snyder. So here, watch this. So Bob Iger walks in and he goes like this. Here, here's what the um, opening bid will be. Jerry Jones went like this. Don't hand that to me. We'll tell you what it is. <laughs> and Bob goes, well, wait a minute, man. I've made you guys. I've made you guys billions of dollars. Jerry Jones stood up front of Paul Allen and everybody and looked over at Bob Iger and went like this. Well, I'll tell you something, Bob. I don't see your name on that check anywhere. 
Where's your name? Why don't you sit down? Bob Crab slides over a cocktail napkin. This is honest to God. It's from the Joneses. A cocktail napkin. It says this is what the contracts will be for CBS, Fox, CBS, Fox, NBC. Slid it over. They all had billions. They're the only league that does that. They set their own price. He told Bob Iger to shut the hell up and sit down. You didn't make us any money. Your name ain't on any of them checks. Bob Iger wanted to buy the Chargers when the team was trying to move to, he wanted to be part of a new ownership group. Jerry goes, no way. Bob Iger tried to get into the Broncos. Jerry blocked it. No. <laughs> Jerry Jones, the most powerful guy in sports today. He told those, he told Bob Iger from Disney, sit your ass down. <laughs> I was like, get the, guy's the most powerful guy in broadcasting. Told him to sit his ass down. We'll tell you what the price is. That's how you do things, man. Sit the hell down. Four players will have an impact on your Eagles in 2022. Who will have the biggest? We're going to hit on that next. Please hit the like button. Rick Barry will join us in hour two at 430 Eastern. Talk some Sixers and NBA. Keep it here on the National Football Show. When choosing a lawyer for your injury case, you may ask, does the size of the law firm matter? Well, of course it does. The insurance company, they're huge with unlimited resources. And whether your case is big or small, they're built to bully you out of the money you're owed. But here's the good news. We're big too, the biggest actually. And we're built to bite to make them pay for all that was taken from you. Size is our strength. There's only one Morgan & Morgan, forthepeople.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, IBEW98.org. 
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. National Football Show, it's your boy, Big Sills. Check this out here. This is something that I'm pretty happy about. I know you guys are going to go, oh, my God, Cowboy again. Okay, I told you I'd show you this. Check this out. This is the very first, Jimmy signed it, training camp for the Dallas Cowboys under the direction of Stephen Jones and Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy's head coach just got his new head coaching gig. And I was there for the very beginning. That's my old address in Stanford. My aunt sees that. See that, Betty? Look at that. That's where I was raised. I was there for it. I remember telling Troy Aikman when they drafted when they drafted Steve Walsh, I remember telling Aikman, Aikman took us out to a steakhouse and he goes, oh, they drafted your boy. I said, you think Steve Walsh is going to be the starting quarterback here in Dallas? He goes, that's your boy. He won a national title with him. I go, Jimmy, don't give a shit about that. Coach cares only about winning Super Bowls and winning championships. He doesn't care about that. I go, Troy, are you under some illusion that you're not going to be the starting quarterback here? He goes, that's his boy. Oh, they got out to a horrible relationship. I said, if I were you, I wouldn't sweat it. Steve Walsh won't be on this team in two years, and he wasn't. They traded him to the Saints. Jimmy got more picks for a bust quarterback. First rounders, third rounders, second rounders for him. (laughs) Guy was a master at building teams getting draft choices. Yeah, man. Hey, and when they went 1-15, everyone kept doing this. Nah, coach, do you think maybe we should go to a 3-4 like every goes? No, nah, we're going to do it my way. And get this. One thing I'll say this to you, and would we all not agree? Would we all not agree? The Jones family has not been able to duplicate what Jimmy did since he left. So as great as an owner, as Jerry has been and as good as the drafting they have had is it fair to say that the only person that jerry and stephen jones have not replaced has been jimmy johnson now wait a minute i'm gonna tie this into you guys okay do me a favor ask yourself this do you think nick sirianni is gonna have the same success that both Doug Peterson and Andy Reid have had. Do you? Do you guys think that Sirianni is going to have the same success 
Jeffrey Lurie has hired Andy Reid and Doug Peterson. Do you think Sirianni has that same capability? Because if he does, this is just another feather in the cap of the ownership group that believes that the front office wins championships. GT says, yes. Let me know next year so I won't be here. Possibly. Chris, whatever, dude. Brian says, hey, Dan, what was Michael Irvin like? One of the best friends I've ever had. I've posted numerous pictures of he and I when we played at Miami together. I just loved being his teammate um, when we were at the University of Miami. Michael Irvin, I'll tell you what he did, Brian. Michael Irvin, when he was at Miami and he was 17 years old, he had a stopwatch on his neck, and it said 4-5. And he went like this. If I get the 4-5, I think he was running like 4-7s or 4-6s when he first got there. He goes, if I get the 4-5, I'll be a Hall of Famer. And he used to run a mile frontwards and a mile backwards at Green Tree down in South Florida every single day. Never missed it. You know why? Because Mike's from a family of 17. Mother raised 17 kids all by herself. Two rooms. That guy had no way out. I walked and went to their home, had dinner. What a great family. Michael Irvin's mom was the best. Southern food. Love. They had nothing except a ton of love. I went to a player's place, frontwards and backwards gaming. I went to um, I went to Eddie Brown's house down in Bell Glades, Florida. Had dirt on the ceiling, grass on the roof, dirt on the ceiling, dirt on the ground. Sat around, had dinner. One of the best times I ever had. None but love. Walk in there, man. You want to know poor? I'll show you poor. Kids had nothing to fight for except getting out of poverty. That's the difference between the Miami Hurricanes today and the Hurricanes back then. They're recruiting these suburban kids. When I played with them dudes, they were gangsters and kids who were dirt poor. No way out. No way out. I was a troubled kid, thrown out of college. Jimmy took us all in. Took us all in. You could say whatever you want, dog. Okay? But to me, that's that that's why that program has been down so much. Okay? Jimmy saved lives when we were at Miami. Saved lives. So did Howard Schnellenberger. Maniac. Times have changed, huh, man? Now they're recruiting these kids from the IMGs of the world and top recruiting classes and shit. Kids I played with were dirt poor, had nothing. Jerome Brown, you should go up and see the home that he lived in when he was in Brooksville. You know why Jerome wore 98 at Miami? Because there's a one-lane highway that went through Brooksville. It was Highway 98. He loved his community so much that he wanted to wear a number that represented his community. Another kid, poor as hell. 
Those kids all fought for extinct. They, they, they fought for being alive. Those kids, it was a privilege to play with them guys, man. They taught me what it was about to fight for something. Okay. <laughs> I mean, amazing. Make no mistake, Sills. You're still troubled. Tony, thank you. <laughs> hey, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Absolutely. And, and by the way, I played a GT, I played against Deion Sanders. I'll get to, I'm going to get to my Eagle spin here in a second. Real quick story, GT, on, on Dion. Here are the three best athletes I've ever been around. Deion Sanders, Bo Jackson, and Herschel Walker. Deion Sanders was a freshman at Florida State in 86. He came down to the Orange Bowl. We ended up beating him pretty handily late in the game. They got up on us early, though. And, all of a, and, and Testaverde wins the Heisman this year. Vinny threw six picks, I think it was, that year. Six picks. Three of them were to Dion. He was a freshman. And he's making these plays. And this kid with this giant afro wearing number two. We're all like, who is this guy? Michael Irvin knew because they had played high school ball against one another. Because Michael went to St. Thomas Aquinas. And they played against each other. I think Dion was from Fort Myers, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's from that neck of the woods. And they played against one another in all-star games. He goes, this kid's good, man. Can you imagine prime time and today with the nil rule and what he'd be making and playmaker? You had playmaker and Dion prime time. What do you think those guys would be generating in money today if they had that nil rule? Yes, tape. I did have my Corvette. I was happy with that. Hey, I, I was just a little pebble in the whole thing, man. So they gave me a Corvette. <laughs> Maniac, that's awesome, man. Way to go. Uh, hey, man, it's all good, man. Hey, hey, don't pick on Chris. He don't like the show today because we had Stephen Jones on, the owner of the Cowboys. It's all good. He don't have to. By the way, Rick Barry, bottom of the hour. So in this hour, let me throw this at you. Do we agree... Do we agree these four players are the big additions to the football team this year? Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean, Hassan Reddick, and A.J. Brown. These are the big additions. Tell me, who makes the biggest impact on the team this year? Which one of these four guys? Jordan Davis. Let me give you, let me set it up here for you. Jordan Davis. What kind of impact do you think he makes on the team? I'll tell you this. If they take him off on third down, he'll make very little impact. If Jordan Davis, let me do this. If Jordan Davis gets taken off on third down, he'll be the least productive guy out of the draft. 
Jordan Davis. A.J. Brown will have the most playing time. I think N'Kobe Dean says Susan. Cox played limited snaps his rookie year. Good call, D-Train. X says A.J. Brown. I say this to you. I think that Jordan Davis, I say Jordan Davis probably has limited impact on the team because I agree with what you guys are saying. I think Davis is going to be taken off the field on third down and the money down is going to be when your money players are in the game. Hardgrave and Cox are going to be in the game on the money down. So Jordan's impact is going to be limited because they're going to put him in positions of success, which means he's going to play limited snaps until next year, until he's ready. Fletcher's going to get the majority of the snaps because remember something, Fletcher may not want to call it a career after this year. He may still want to play on, especially if you're playing him, paying him $14 million. Okay, especially if you're paying him $14 million. He's basically auditioning for his next gig. Yeah, I see him gaming, goal line defense, first and second down, red zone stuff, right. I don't really think Jordan Davis is going to have a gigantic impact this year. Do I think he has, watch this, and let me finish it up by doing this. Do I think Jordan Davis has a very good career? Do I think he's going to have a great career? I think he has to do this. Let's look at the negative first. He's got to keep his weight under control. He's got to improve on pass rushing. I like the kid in his interviews, but at the end of the day, he's got some work to do. He's got to improve his second move on his pass rush. He can't be a hand fighter in the NFL. The worst mistake you can make is think you're going to get into a hand fight with guys like Barrett Brooks, guys like Jason Kelsey. You're not going to because that's a win for the O-line. He's got to move his feet. And what does that mean? He's got to be in condition. He's got to be in condition. He's got to be in better shape. So being in condition, keeping his weight under control, learning pass rush moves, to work in progress. I'm not going to put Jordan Davis in a situation where he's going to get killed. Eight to 10 years? Yeah, listen, do I think he has a good career? Yeah, because you know why? I think he was coached very well at Georgia. I think he's a good kid. I think he wants to be good. The Eagles have invested a lot in him. I think he's going to get a great chance to play 10 years. I do. But I don't think he's going to have a gigantic impact on the football team in year one. Okay? I just don't. Milton Williams, he's coming on. And he's coming on as a third down guy too. Hey, Zach. If he turns out to be Fletcher Cox or Vince Wolfark, you got a guy that's a borderline Hall of Famer. That's really, I mean, it's a borderline Hall of Fame guy. 
N'Kobe Dean. Let me tell you what the biggest impact for N'Kobe Dean is. He's coming to an exceptionally large football team with some pretty good guys in front of him. Hardgrave, Fletcher, Jordan Cox, Milton Williams, people that are large human beings. And for a guy that's six feet, 220, you want to have the least amount of contact on him as possible so that he can scrape up and down the sidelines and not have anybody knocking him off his scrape lanes. You guys know what a scrape lane is? He's going to go from sideline to sideline. But what you don't want is you don't want that guy getting knocked off of his line because then you're giving up yards per carry. The guys in front of him are so big. And you're not going to knock those guys off the line of scrimmage. The point of attack, the Eagles are going to be in every single point of attack. There's not any catchers in that old line, or D-line, I should say. They're going to really – and so the, the guys that he has in front of him, and from what I'm understanding already, he's already picked up, hey – some people inside the organization told me that he's got his playbook. He's already picked up 75% of the defense. How's that for you? He's a smart kid. He understands the scheme already. He's going to play. I would say that N'Kobe Dean, between N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis, you're going to look at the first year and go, Jesus, criminy, man. N'Kobe Dean has played like 80% 80 of the snaps on defense for the Eagles. Smart kid, aggressive kid, a leader. Talk to anybody that played with him at Georgia. He was the ringleader of the whole group that they have down in Georgia. That national championship defense, Nicobe Dean was the leader. How about Hassan Reddick? By the way, of the rookies, Dean, in my opinion, will be the Eagles' rookie of the year on defense. He'll be your rookie of the year. Okay. Doug says, Dean is smart. 355 GPA, medical engineering. Love that. Jimmy Johnson will say to you all the time, you know what that is? That kick him in the head the next time he drafted a stupid player. This kid is not. Carl, I, I think he's a steal too. Zach says he's excited about Reddick. You know what, too, what I love about Reddick? Everyone's talking about everyone else, and he's been quiet. You know, sometimes the loudest guy in the room is the weakest guy in the room. Hassan Reddick doesn't say shit, and I love that. Not overpromising, okay? He's not overpromising anything. He's going to come in there, in my opinion. I think because of what the scheme is going to do. Now, here's the issue still, though. Here's the issue that I still have with, with the defensive scheme. You haven't addressed the cornerback situation. <clears throat> you haven't addressed that cornerback situation yet on the other side of slight. Okay, that could play a factor in your pass rush. So there's going to be more pressure on your, on your blitz packages. And will Jonathan Gannon, who's not notoriously known for throwing a lot of blitzes at teams, he's going to have to bring more pressure. You know, the, the saying goes like this. The, the, they'll say this to you. 
look, you can die a fast death by playing man, or you could die a slow death by playing zone. And what the Eagles did last year, many games, they, they played a slow death. They just put everything in front of them. They didn't gamble. They stayed in the room. And that's why that football team struggled at times against really good teams. Because once you start getting three and outs, your defense starts losing field position. How many times did we see that Eagle defense last year lose field position? I agree. Bradbury would be an upgrade to anything they have in the secondary. The Raiders are really hot on him right now, though. Okay? From what I'm understanding, the Raiders have already made a pitch to try to bring him in to Las Vegas. And to me, if I was him, I'd want to stay in the division because you know why? I got a book on all these guys. Jordan Davis is more like Albert Hainsworth. Boy, that was, you know, Ken's Albert Hainsworth was good, but I never thought he was great. Make sense? I thought he was good. Okay. Brian, I'm with you. Okay. I don't want to sit around and be bled to death like they were in good games last year against good teams. Okay. I, I, I don't think it's Gannon. I think Gannon thinks they're limited in ability. Like, they can't play a 34. They're lined, now maybe a little bit more so now with Dean being added and the kid Kaiser White maybe gives them more of an ability to play more of a 34 look if they wanted to switch it up. Okay, but, and, you know, they have improved at the linebacker position. I forgot about Kaiser White. Kaiser White, probably going to play a lot of downs. But that second cornerback position is going to be a factor. I think Hassan Reddick is going to have 10 sacks. If he has 10 sacks, the Eagle defense will improve mightily because that was a major issue with them. And especially with the schedule being the way it is. I think they're banking on the pass rush to protect the corners. David, I agree with you. That's usually how it works. Their front seven and the rotation they have in the front seven, I think are going to help. Davis at nose. Put Davis at nose. Hardgrave at end. See, Cox and Hardgrave can't play ends because they can't set the edge, Kevin. They're not edge players. And when you play in today's NFL, you've got to set the edge. I'm not going to put a guy 335, 40 pounds playing defensive end, he's not Reggie White. And especially in Fletcher's day today. Okay? Closer to 20? No way. I'd like to see Kevin Moore 34, 43, 52. Something like that on third down. Can you explain edge versus DE and linebacker? Yeah, sec. It's kind of a new hybrid thing that they've created. Do you, you know where I think this all came from? I think this came from, you remember when Vrabel and Teddy Bruschi and guys like Kevin Green were playing in the NFL and you didn't know really what to do with them? So what you did was you played these guys who looked like linebackers. You stood them up. Sometimes you put their hand down in the dirt. You did some of those things. They're more hybrid guys. Okay? Like, look at this kid, Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson, 6'6", 266. Dude, you're not really a traditional defensive end. 
a traditional defensive end in today's NFL, 275, six foot five, six four, like that, a big muscle dude, could take on tight ends, double teams. Hassan Reddick's not taking on double teams. Okay? Tight end, 350-pound offensive lineman. He's not. Okay, so there's a difference between the old traditional, like Clyde Simmons and Reggie were traditional DEs. Guys that have turned into edge rushers today, Lawrence Taylor would be an edge rusher today. Okay, he'd be an edge. He wouldn't be a defensive end. Back in his time, he was just called a linebacker in a 34 defense. When Belichick was running to 34, you know, on the other side, You know, they had really great linebackers on that giant defense back in the day, if you guys remember. Okay, I mean, they were spectacular. And their linebackers were the team and were the group that really led that defensive charge for Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells. Today, Carl Banks and and LT would be edge rushers. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Carl Banks came out of um, Michigan State. Does that sound right? I think he's a Spartan, and LT came out of UNC. LT was a linebacker when he came. Actually, Lawrence Taylor was a tight end when he first went to UNC. So, yeah, so there's it's just terminology. It's just different and how they do it. Um, I think Hassan Reddick's going to have a great season this year. I think he's going to have some impact. How about A.J. Brown's impact? What do you think he has – on the offense this year. What do you think the impact he has? What do you think the impact he has? Jeremiah says massive. So you're assuming Jalen gets the ball to him. GT. We've we've, we've talked about Jalen out the rear. Similar numbers to Titans. Colby, similar numbers to what he did in Tennessee. 1,050, 1,100 yards. Don't you expect more for $100 million? So you just want 1,000 yards and 75 catches? Really? So that's pretty crazy. See what Xander just said? Xander goes like this. Hurts might just ball out. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Because we're all hoping that that's the case. For A.J. Brown to have any any impact on this team, Jalen's got to be better than what he was. How about this? I think that's a fair question. If Jalen plays the same way he did this past year, With the addition of A.J. Brown, are the Eagles better? If he plays exactly the same way, Ernest, Hope's not going to get you to the NFL Super Bowl. Craig says no. D-Train says no. No good. He's gone, Clayton says. K 
keep Rager off the field. Brandon says he's definitely gone if he does. Well, wait a minute. They won nine ball games and went to the playoffs last year. Mike says, I think a good camp for Jordan Davis, and he's Ted Washington. So you drafted Ted Washington 13th? Really? Hey, I don't mind Baker Mayfield on my team, just not the number one overall pick. You understand that's not a value pick then. Philly Cat says he'll definitely be better because the receivers dropped the ball so much last year. Susan, I want the quarterback from Kentucky. He's going to be the number one overall selection. Chris says 3,100 yards is not enough. Has to spread it around, which means this, Chris, he's got to find him. He needs to do better. Clayton says, and this is what I brought up, they lost to every single winning team last year or every team that was a playoff team. The Eagles, the Eagles got beat. Plain and simple, if Hurts wins the division and playoff game, he'll be here. GT, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. If he wins a playoff game, probably. But do you really think with seven first-round quarterbacks that are going to go into the draft, seven first-round quarterback-graded players are going to go into top 30 picks, the Eagles won't be compelled to draft one of those guys. There's some really good football players. You know, now that I thought about it, I didn't think this coming class was going to have as many. There are seven football players that are going to be graded first-round talent. Bledsoe has already rated seven. Now, you're going to put him in order on which one you like the most. All right, I'm going to take a timeout here. We're also going to switch some gears up, and hopefully we're going to catch up with our friend Rick Barry and get his thoughts on the Sixers tonight in Game 5 versus the Heat. The NBA playoffs, which have been pretty damn impressive. It's like old school basketball again. Please hit the like button. Keep it right here on the National Football Show. After a car crash, the big insurance companies you see advertising on TV, they may try to downplay your case and might say it's only a fender bender or it's just a herniated disc. I worry that some law firms fall for this BS. Not us. We put ourselves in your shoes and ask, what would it be like to be in your pain for the rest of our lives? A million dollars wouldn't be enough for me. There's only one Morgan & Morgan. Forthepeople.com.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that can you search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, IBEW98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Welcome back. National Football Show. It's your boy, Big Stills. Appreciate everybody coming aboard. I can't wait to see Game 5 tonight. I have fallen in love with Joel Embiid. You know, that's what being there for your team's all about, inspiring your guys. You know, it's funny. There's almost like a Willis Reed factor here. You know, people always remember Reed going on to court, and I'm not saying that this is in the same category as Willis Reed, Joel Embiid playing for the Sixers. But what I am saying is you get energized when you see your leader and the best player on your team going out there with a broken skull, broken hand, and going out and giving the best effort he possibly can. That's what inspires people. And when Willis Reed did that for the Knicks, and they went out and they did that. Then they turned around and they ended up beating the Lakers. Um, in that iconic game and in that iconic series, you know, people forget Clyde Frazier was spectacular in that series too. But that's the kind of stuff that, you know, maybe that has gotten lost a little bit in today's NBA. Because when you got players that are doing that, you see guys going out there and playing their ass off as much as they possibly can. That's exactly what it's about, man. When you're the best player on your team and you're the leader on your team and you're going out and you're playing hard. I absolutely love that, man. I do. I, and that's what is drawn. I'll tell you this too, watching Giannis play. Giannis Antetokounmpo is one of the absolutely best old school players too that I've seen in the game. I mean, this guy did not want to leave Milwaukee. He's put that franchise on his back. He's like, no, man, I'm going to get drafted here and I'm going to play here. I'm going to win an NBA championship here. I just love that. That's a great series as well. And a guy who led his Golden State Warriors to an NBA championship was a finals MVP, one of the top 20 players in the history of the game. 
is our friend Rick Barry, and he joins us now. And Rick, thank you so much. And first and foremost, let me ask you right out of the gate. Rick, if you were voting and you had a vote for this year's MVP, Giannis, Joker, or Joel Embiid, who would you have voted for for the MVP? Well, first of all, the NBA has to get their act together. I've been doing it for decades to tell them it's absolutely absurd to have one MVP for an unbalanced schedule. They need to have an MVP for the Western Conference and an MVP for the Eastern Conference to make. And it's silly not to do that because now you have an extra sponsor as well, make more money. And it's only the fair way to do it because the other teams will play each other what twice. It's absurd to have one MVP in the NBA. It's crazy. It makes no sense at all. Um, just that would be like football having one MVP. I mean, it's, 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 it's ludicrous, to be honest with you. So uh, the Joker Western Conference, no question about it. Uh, Eastern Conference, that would be one that you can have a serious debate about. Uh, uh, you know, either one is certainly worthy of, of it back there. And I always said that you should also have two awards. You should have MVP and the most outstanding, the MOP. And I think you can generally give that out because the most outstanding isn't necessarily the most valuable. And the most valuable isn't always the most outstanding player. And so that would be something that you could, could look at. And from a marketing standpoint, since I make it in marketing at the RU, the University of Miami, I understand marketing. Why would you not want to have extra awards, more publicity, more money to be brought in, more awards to give out to the players? And so that's the way I would look at that. It would be very difficult for me. I'd have to really give some serious thought to it. But either way that you went, one, MVP, one would be MVP, one would be most outstanding player. Perhaps Embiid being the most valuable uh, for Philadelphia to do what they did and the most outstanding player, Giannis. You know what, Rick? I uh, Maybe I have fallen into today's sports world where I forgot what you guys did. You're going to go out there and you're going to play hurt. Here's Embiid playing with a cracked facial skull here, an orbital bone issue. He's got a broken hand. He's out there playing. But that's stuff that you guys did, and I guess we're just kind of forgetting that today's athletes – they don't go and do the extra mile. And I see what Giannis is doing up in Milwaukee. There's an old school sense on why I root for Giannis and why I'm rooting for Embiid because look at how he inspired even James Harden to even that series at 2-2. A critical game five is tonight. I, I just had a lot of really great respect for Embiid getting out there. Didn't play all that hot, but still inspired his basketball team. Not quite Willis Reed, obviously. But Rick, I mean, you know, we're we're well, talking he actually about played Jordan. better. He actually played. He actually played better than Willis Reed. He did. <laughs> well, Reed was out there for like three well, minutes, and then yeah, that was I mean, it, that, right? That, that, that was just an emotional thing to do. He actually played well. He had a double double. I mean, if it wasn't for him, they wouldn't have won that game. It wouldn't be a tied series. So yes, you respect that, but you have to. You can't put all the blame on the players, though. However, because the teams themselves are trying to protect the investment that they have. They've got multi-millions of dollars guaranteed money in these guys. And so they're trying to protect them, trying to keep them as healthy as they possibly can. And so I can understand that. Um, you know, I mean, hell, I played the entire finals against one of the greatest teams in the history of the league with the 76ers in 1967 with Will Chamberlain and Billy Cunningham and Hal Greer and Luke Jackson and just go on and on, Wally Jones. And I had to get, I got, and they wouldn't even let me do that today. I got my ankle shot before the game and at halftime in order to play the entire series. Couldn't practice. I mean, and I played and, you know, and, and I, I said, I said, I like to think what I could have done. I set a record that lasted for decades and decades. The only one that broke it was Michael Jordan, but he played an overtime game to beat me by a couple tenths of a point for an average. So I'm just wondering what the hell I might've been able to do in that series if I was healthy, but you know, 
but I, I'm just, I'm grateful that I didn't ruin my career. I mean, I could have ruined my entire career playing like that. That was stupid. If I had to do it again today, I wouldn't do it. So, Rick, you 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 kind of fall in line with today's players with the load management and such. And no, this- I'm not a big load management guy so much as the fact that I mean, you still want to play, but the load management, they're still playing at least 36 minutes or so most of the time. Um, and I know I hated it when we were blowing people out because I wanted to play. I mean, I loved to play. I mean, I didn't, you know, I wasn't on the team to not play. And if we're blowing people out, well, then you're going to be on the bench and you're not going to play that much. And then that's certainly understandable. That's why when everybody looks at records and they look at averages and things of that nature, it's so subjective and there's so many variables that are in there. I mean, my, my career, if I hadn't gone to Houston and was willing to take a subservient role and average eight, 12 and 13 points a game where I let Moses Malone and Calvin Murphy and Rudy Tomjanovich be the main focal point, my averages would have been way higher. I mean, for my career. I mean, that cut it down. I mean, that's two full seasons averaging like 13 points a game. You I mean, still so, made 25 points a game for your entire career. Well, but yeah, but it would have been way higher than that if you take those games out. Take my last two years out and figure out what my average would be because it cut it down. But I didn't go there for records. In fact, I've learned more about my career in the last five years, Dan, than I ever even knew things that I did. I see my name popping up here and there, all these crazy things that I had accomplished this, and he joins the list of Rick Barry. I had no idea about that stuff, none. The only thing I cared about, going out, playing the best that I could every time I put my uniform on and trying to win. Could you have played with a guy like James Harden? Yes, and I'll tell you why. I've talked about that. When he was at Houston, when it was really crazy how much he dominated the basketball, I don't think James Harden was selfish. I mean, he still averaged a lot of assists. It's just that he dominated the basketball. So instead of standing around and just watching him, you need to be smart and move without the basketball. You move without the ball and get open, he'll get you the ball. And that's what I would have done. Everybody stood stood around. Here's the thing. Everybody tells you when you learn the game of basketball, on defense, if your ball, if the ball moves and your man moves, you need to move, right? It's kind of like on a string. You kind of move. The same thing applies in, in, in offense. But yet guys on offense stand around and watch their teammates doing stuff. No, you need to move. I used to love my son. John was great at this. I mean, I used to watch games when he was with the Pistons and playing with Stackhouse. And Stackhouse would drive and go right and go baseline. John was out at the top left. Stackhouse would go baseline. John would run right down to the baseline because his guy's turning to watch. And he'd run there and Stack couldn't get anything. Boom, throw a pass right down the baseline to John wide open for a three. You put yourself in a position to remove the defender from be- being between you and your teammate. So you're constantly moving to create passing lanes. Watch the games. This is stuff that's gone down, you know, it's like like the dinosaurs. I mean, it's not being taught. You need to know and understand how to play the game. And that's when the game is fun to play. It's fun to watch. But I, I, I have a hard time watching a lot of basketball today the way it's played. I really, truly do. Wow, man. Could you play with a guy like Kyrie Irving? Sure. I don't think he's selfish either. I mean, these guys will give it up. You know, I mean, I can play with anybody. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, I just want to win. If he's out there giving me his best shot and doing stuff while he's got his uniform on, I wish you joke is that I probably would have had a hard time playing with Dennis Rodman, maybe because of the fact that sometimes those dresses that he wore, he wore clashing lipstick, and that really bothered me. It was the lipstick. It wasn't so much he sucked off. No, I would have loved to have him as I would have loved to have him as a teammate the way that he played. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's you just want somebody to give their best effort and to be unselfish and to do what's necessary to help you win the game. And in some cases, that requires sacrifice. Not all players are willing to sacrifice, but if they are, I love it. Boy, I'm gonna tell you something. My team, the Warriors, man, they, these guys should be going to church and lighting a candle. Thank God that Mike Brown was was coaching the team there because he's a defensive oriented guy. If it wasn't for their defense, and this points out 
why they say defense wins championships. Because the defense for the Warriors in the game last night saved the game for them. They were abysmal offensively, abysmal. Fortunately, they played tough enough defense to not allow the Grizzlies to score a ton of points on them, kept themselves in the game, and then – for their good fortune, Steph got hotter and, you know, put up a bunch of points. They almost got 20 points in the fourth quarter. They scored 39 and wind up winning a game that they probably shouldn't have won. If they had been against a more experienced team, I don't think they win that game. They certainly would have never won it on the road. Do you think they have enough to win it all, the Warriors? Well, the way things are going, possibly. Maybe, mainly because nobody's at full health. Yeah. You see? And, and the other teams that have big guys. I mean, even, even with – even with the game against with playing against Memphis, when Memphis had the two big guys in the game, Warriors had some serious problems. But they haven't had to face that. They haven't had to face healthy teams against Denver. The same thing. I didn't like the matchup. They usually don't play well against Denver, but Denver had two of their key players out. So everything is falling. It's like dominoes. Everything's kind of falling right into place for these guys right now. You know, Phoenix isn't playing their best right now. Uh, you know, Booker's not back to 100%. And they got to watch themselves. I mean, they had two horrible outings. I mean, horrible outings. So they better watch themselves. They, they don't. But here's the thing. All the talking heads. I go crazy when I listen to this stuff. <laughs> Everybody's out there talking. Oh, this happened. They did this to do it. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, all that happened in those games and those series that are tied two and two is what's supposed to happen. Not well in, in the other case with Boston and, and Milwaukee, each team won game on the road. But you're supposed to win your home games. So in the other series, what happened? Miami won two games. Philly won two games. That's what they're supposed to do. Philly has to find a way to win a game in Miami, and Miami just has to win at home. Same situation in, in, the, in the Dallas and Phoenix series. What is everybody making such a huge deal about this? It's what's supposed to happen. The team that doesn't have home court has to find a way, and this is the term I hate with a passion, and I don't know why people use it all the time, steal a game. I never stole a game in my freaking life. I mean, I hate that term. Absolutely hate it. Stealing is like you did something illegal and you should be in jail. No, you win a game. Now, the other one that's driving me really up a wall, okay, and on my show when I do my stuff a lot of times with, with Cyrus Satchis, my co-host on the Rick Barry Show, I have a you know, segment called, you know, drives me crazy. Well, this is the one that really drives me crazy now. Who and... and there's so many things in the game that drive me crazy now, but this is the newest one, the newest one. Who in the hell decided to adopt? And I'm hearing everybody say it. They're going downhill. You know what? I never played on a court yet that had a downhill. What the hell is downhill? Who came up with this and what the hell does it mean? What I, I mean, downhill. Oh, somebody thinks that's really cute and clever. It's BS. Downhill. He's going downhill. Rick. <laughs> Rick, your your take on Chris Paul, you know, they talk about him being one of the greatest point guards of all time and one of the old school point guards that goes back to the days of what a true point guard looked like. Guys carrying the ball up the court. Now you see Giannis do a lot of that. LeBron has done a lot of that as well. Your take on him as an all-time great guard is what? Yeah, he's really he's one of the outstanding guards that's played the game. No question about it. He he does everything. He works hard on both ends of the court. He can facilitate. Uh, he I think he'd rather get an assist than score himself. But if he has to score himself, he kind of reminds me a little bit not quite as fancy and stuff as Steve Nash. Nash would rather get fifteen assists, but if you needed thirty, he gets you thirty. And that always I felt, and I love would love to have played with any of these guys we're talking about uh, to John Stockton, who I would love to have played with. But 
I think if there was any flaw in John Stockton's game, it's that he didn't score enough or shoot enough at times. Sometimes John needed to take that over and score some more points because he was a heck of a shooter. And a lot of times they might have been better off if John had get 25 or 30 for him. But he was such an assist guy, a great player, lovely, unbelievable person. And I just would have liked to have seen him be more aggressive offensively in certain games under certain conditions. Eric Spolstra or Doc Rivers tonight or in this series, who do you have more confidence in the series with the Sixers? And the well, Eagles? I always root against Doc Rivers because of what he did to Clifford Ray. So I lost all respect for him as a person. Uh, and so I always root against him. So uh, and I think Eric Spolstra from being a video coordinator has turned into a pretty damn good basketball coach. He does a really nice job. He gets these guys motivated. I really like him as a person as well. Uh, and I think that's the most important thing. Um, and I got to get one more thing out. And nobody's talked about it because I I, I, I I actually penned this and did, said this years ago. What happened to the Warriors is such a – it's a perfect example of what I have talked about for decades. There is no way in the world that the Golden State Warrior basketball team, despite what Mike Brown was saying before the game, guys, John Moran is not here, but we still have to go out and play our best. These guys have nothing to lose. They're going to come out and play their best. We need to be ready to go out and give it everything we have. I can tell you to a man more than likely, they're, they're saying, yeah, coach, yeah, right. Okay, coach, let's go. They didn't believe it. It's I call it the con job syndrome. The players con themselves into thinking that they are going to play their hardest, but down deep inside, there is no way that they conceivably could think that the Grizzlies are at, at home against the Warriors are going to beat the Golden State Warriors. And they damn near lost. They were really lucky to come through. But they have experience. They played the tough defense to keep them in the game. And that was the difference in that basketball game. But it was the con job syndrome at its ultimate. What do you make of Ja, Ram ja uh, Morant? What oh, do you exciting make to watch. I mean, if, you, if, if there are two players you want to pick in the league, the top two guys to watch for excitement, you know, for I mean, you know, I mean, Giannis is exciting the way he does things. It's kind of crazy what he does, but it's Steph Curry and John Moran. Oh my God, these guys are so exciting. I mean, it's like amazing the things that they do. It's so much fun to watch them. These are two guys that are definitely worth the price of admission. Yeah, but Rick, I'm here. Let me let me let me and tell me if I'm crazy because you will if I'm if I make this comic. But you and Jerry West, if you guys had three point lines. I mean, dude, you were talking a couple minutes ago about your points because of your last two years you hated in Houston. Can you imagine if you had a three-point line in the era where you guys were just shooting? You guys didn't do that. I mean – Yeah, well, the three-point isn't the thing. I'm just talking about the things that they do. They're so incredibly athletic and gifted in the things that they do today. I mean, I had a crossover dribble and drive dribble right and left, and everybody was raving about that as a guy 6'8", because nobody 6'8", was doing stuff like that. But what they could do now, if I were to play today, I could play today. The only thing I would have to do is I actually had to be a better ball handler. But that's simple. I just go spend hours in the gym doing two ball drills and doing stuff, and I could get to the point where I'd have all those skills, no problem whatsoever. Not a, not a difficult thing to you learn. Think how you could score 30 a night if you played in today's NBA because they don't really have oh, a pivot yes. guy any longer. Well, like I, already, I already told you times I mean, how easy it is to get 20, and I didn't even have a three-point shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no problem. I mean, that's – it's, it's just no problem at all. But I just talked, those two guys are so freaking exciting. They do so many amazing things. And yeah, it's it, it's fun. I mean, some of the guys in the NBA are just so incredibly gifted and so much fun to watch. It's just that they don't play the thing that they don't do the same thing that they should. Like Clay even got caught on. Here's an experienced guy who I love as well. 
Remember the one play in the game last night? He came in to go. He had an easy shot, like an easy layup to do it. All he had to do, because he should have known he had a guy behind him, the guy, they're so athletic, he can't go up and throw up some BS little, little shot like that. I mean, either go up and take it and dunk the damn thing, or all he had to do was go under and do a shot on the other side of the basket because now the defender could have never gotten to the ball because the basket would have acted as an impediment for him to be able to block that shot. Little simple things like that. Even Steph in another one of the games threw up, threw up a shot that was a floater that got blocked, an incredible block by one of the Grizzly guys in the, one of that last the game before. If he, had just, if he had just taken one more dribble and gone to the other side of the basket because the guy came from the left, there's no way he could ever get to that ball. So little subtle things like this that a lot of players sometimes miss out on, you know, and, and these are great players I'm talking about. Rick, finally here. Um, who, who do you think is the best team? Who do you, who do you see? I don't know. I mean, I don't think anybody knows who the best. There's nobody that's a dominant team out here. I mean, it's indicative of what's going on in the playoffs. I mean, a lot of the games were close. Then all of a sudden the Warriors go out and throw up 142 and just blow them out of the place with Moran, who had a big game. Then they come back the next day without Moran and we're lucky to be able to win and can't put the ball in the ocean. So this is the beauty of sports, and this is why I said I would never bet a nickel on a basketball game. I mean, seriously, you just don't know what's going to happen. And, and it's the team that's consistent. And as I said, the Warriors won that game because they played great defense and they had they kept themselves in the game and they were fortunate enough to get Steph to get Steph hot in the fourth quarter, but also because they had inexperienced players. I mean, the one shot that Jackson took was just absolutely horrendous, and they were all raving about it. I still don't know what these guys watch. What a great block. Hey, Draymond never touched the ball. That was just a horrendous freaking shot. I mean, why he even thought about taking that shot in that situation made no sense whatsoever. So, again, they didn't have something where they knew what they were going to do to get a good opportunity. They didn't even need to score a three. There was enough time to get a two, and then you could foul, and then maybe have to go for the three. Let me let me sneak one in here on Clay. How do you think Clay's coming back off his knee injury? How do you think he's doing? Well, I think it's remarkable that he's even playing, you know, out there playing at all, considering what he's gone through with the injuries he's had and how long he was away from the game. And it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride for him. I mean, in last night's game, the two of them together, I mean, somebody made a comment that I probably there's probably never been a game that the two of them played together and missed that many three-point shots and shot so poorly together. Um, you know, so and they still won. That's the scary part. Yeah. He still won. Yeah. I love it. And Clay also, he also, he also hit a really big two and an out of bounds play down in the left corner. And, you know, he was just touching the line a little bit. He hit a huge two. They needed that basket really badly. We were down three. But he, I still, I mean, he hit the shot as bad as he was shooting and playing. He still hit a big shot for him. I still can't get over this. They're playing in San Francisco now. Uh, like, you know, I mean, they're not in Oakland any longer. They're now in San Francisco. Hey, well, I, I related. That's where I played when I first started. I, in fact, we played down at the Civic Auditorium in downtown San Francisco, and our other games were out at the Cow Palace. Oh, played. yeah, because they played at the Cow Palace, right, out right. there? That's where you guys Which played? Is Daly, that's Daly City. It wasn't even San Francisco. Right. It did, did Wilt play at the Cow Palace, too? Yeah, of course, when he was there. That Yeah, but yeah, because he was there before I came out, and then he left and they traded him to Philadelphia. But, yeah, for sure. Man, God, what great history. But anyway, the players have been it's, – it's fun. It's going to be exciting, interesting to see. Two huge games tonight. I mean, again, it's back on. The home team has to prevail, have to take care of business at home. If they do that, then, you know, then it's still – both of the teams are still alive. They didn't – the other teams need to just go back home and win their game at home and then go back down and find a way to win that one game on the opponent's court. And the Boston series – I mean, Milwaukee really gave one away there. I mean, my gosh. I mean, there's no way they should have lost that game at home with the nice lead that they had. Um, you know, the shot selection wasn't great. I mean, it's just, wow, crazy stuff. But 
it also took an incredible performance by one of the old guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Rick, finally here again. Um, do you like the way the games are being officiated? Because- no, hate it. I, I hate playoff basketball the way it is. Oh, it's playoff basketball. So all of a sudden we have a new rule book that nobody knows what the rules are because the officials change their way that they call the game from the beginning to the end and in the middle. You never know. The drive that Steph had the other night, he drove in there doing it. It was a block. There was no way it wasn't a block, and they called a charge on him. And then people were upset and thought it should have been a block on another one. It really was a charge. I mean, it's a it's a pretty simple thing to, to do, and I've tried to talk to officials for, for years and years and years, and they don't want to listen to me. It's a simple thing on the drive, and you people can watch the next time and watch the replays. If the offensive player picks the ball up and has two hands on it, he should be entitled to the space in front of him because physically he cannot prevent himself from going. He's already a momentum. He's going and committed to the drive. I've, I've got the ball here. It's not whether I've left the floor or not. If he's picked that ball up and there's any movement by a defender to get into that lane and that path, it's a block because he cannot change his direction. And they miss that call so often, and that's what you look for. And it's not very difficult to do. Just watch the replays and you see what it is. Ball picked up, moving by the defender, block. You are the best NBA analyst I have ever spoken to. And I say that with great respect to you, my friend. And Rick, what are you working on so people can find it? I know you're working on a thousand things. I know you're the great pickleball player now in the country. You're now a national champion. Well, yeah, I'm actually great. I'm great one of the best pickleball players in the world right now, which is kind of cool. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I got something really quick, and maybe you can put it on your link or doing something. Is I have a new a new company I'm with with my partner Harris Williams called Pickleball Connections, and it's uh, it's it's pretty special. Uh, and 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 what I what I do there is that it's involved in the game, trying to get everybody involved. They get free membership and they get all kinds of discounts and stuff. But it's uh, it's really kind of cool. And so there's a link that people can go to, and it's. Uh, I'll give it to you really quickly here. I know we're wasting time when you got to go. Hey, by the way, use your Twitter more. Will yeah, you? no, I try to get out and put. I'm going to put them out there. The link, but the link, the link is that if they go to my pickleball connections, you know, my, my pickleball connections, my pickleball connections dot com. It's https actually. What it is https colon forward slash forward slash. But it should come up. My pickleball connections dot com forward slash Rick. And you can go in there and you can sign up and get a free thing. If you're into pickleball, which is the fastest growing sport in the world, check it out. And then, of course, there's medicileaf.com, M-E-D-I-C-I-L-E-A-F.com, code 24. That's cannabinoid products. And then gosleeves.com, code is RB, small RB24. And that's amazing, amazing product with kinesio tape built into the knee sleeves, the calf sleeves for Achilles, for elbows. Just amazing, amazing product. So you can check all of those out and and, – I'll look forward to, to chatting with you again sometime. Oh, absolutely. We'll be doing it as we get closer to the conference finals and the finals. Rick, thank you so much, my friend. God bless. You too. That is our friend Rick Berry breaking it down for us. Game five tonight. Going for Eric Spolster. You heard him too, man. Hey, don't forget, my friends, my friends at Morgan & Morgan, where the fee is free. Choosing an attorney is one of the most important things that you could possibly do if you're hurt or injured on the job. For the people is not a slogan, okay? It's not just some cheesy thing that you put on a wall. It is without a doubt who they are, what they do, and what they represent, you. The biggest law firm in the country is Morgan & Morgan. They will not be intimidated. You know, every time you hear somebody do something like this, oh, it's a fender bender. Well, guess what? Morgan & Morgan, 
doesn't look at fender benders. They look at servicing their clients, making sure that they get proper restitution for their clients. Last 30 years, over $13 billion that they have recovered for their clients because nobody does it better than Morgan & Morgan. With over 800 attorneys across the country, New York, Florida, every place in the country, it's the biggest firm in America. Their army of attorneys is ready to do battle for you because that's who Morgan & Morgan is. Now, the call is free, 800-512-1600. That's 800-512-1600. The consultation is free, one 800 512-1600, and do me a favor, when you call Morgan & Morgan, tell them Big Sales sent you. Many times when people are injured at a place of business, they don't realize they may have a case. The fact is injuries should not happen. And most of the time when someone is injured, someone is at fault. Maybe the store manager installed a cheap, slippery floor, or there wasn't proper security. After an injury at a hotel, restaurant, store, or any place of business, it's so important to call us. Time matters, size matters. Morgan & Morgan, for the people.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that can you search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Yo, okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. 
We got a little br- little bit of breaking news here. Big Sills, Hour 3 National Football Show. Please hit the like button. I had to wait until Hour 3. Did you notice I didn't say anything about Tom Brady's 10-year, $370 million deal? So my, my boy Xander... They text me over the weekend, okay? And it, it just it just so happened because the people at the Hard Rock with the F1 event down in Miami, um, it just was just the timing and such. But I was going to try to get the Krauses some VIP passes because David Hill is still a number one consultant for F1, was the former CEO of F1, Formula One. And so I, I sent a text to him. As a matter of fact, I've actually asked him to introduce me to Rupert Murdoch, which he is. And David has been dear friends of mine for 20 years. I'm going to have a conversation with his son, who now does a lot of the work for, for Fox and Fox Sports and Fox News, what have you, anyway. So as I was doing this process, Xander doesn't even know this. David Hill goes like this to me. Hey, with that Australian accent, guess who's coming to Fox? I don't know. I. He goes, sign him to a 10-year contract. You can't say anything yet. And I go like, who? He goes, Tom Brady. He's, he's, he told me this yesterday. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You signed Tom Brady for a $370 million deal. He goes, I advised him. Yeah. 10 years, $37.5 million. And I go like this. Okay. And he goes, you want a little bit of breaking news? Starts next year. So Brady's retiring. Brady's retiring. This is it. Okay. No one has said when that thing starts. Okay. Here, David goes like this and get this. And he starts saying it like this. I got a contract starts next year. I didn't expand on it because as you know, one of the things that I'm good at is listening to the people's responses so that I add another question in, or I go in a different direction or what have you. Tom Brady, it starts next year. It's just David Hill. Just happened to have started Fox Sports and the NFL on Fox. <laughs> Xander's like Googling him going, holy shit, he was with F1. Wow. He, nothing in the world when it comes to sports broadcasting People go to him and ask him for his advice or his consultation on how, and by the way, you know how people on F1 make the money? You make it with merchandise, selling hats and Cokes and whatever. Stephen Ross, who signed that four-year contract with F1, is now going to make the money on TV rights, partnering up with like Sky and European television that air all the F1 events. That's where he's making his money off TV deals and TV rights. 
he's got a percentage of that when they air the Miami Grand Prix. I think the next one is the 22nd, and it's in Spain. All these people are like, they, they sign up, and what they do is they put the event on, and they get money off the television and advertising. F1 is not that huge here. F1 is probably, I would say this to you, outside of soccer in the World Cup, okay, it probably goes World Cup and F1 when we're talking about, like, broadcasting around the world. American events don't really do all that hot. Basketball does because basketball's played in Europe. That's why the Joker winning the MVP is a good thing for the NBA. Why do you think they don't want to end their broadcasting issues when it comes to China? Having a European guy as the MVP, it extends their flag into Europe, and they can sell that. Okay? You've got a European star who's your MVP. It's a big deal. Okay? That's why... When, when Yao was in America, it was big for China. That's how that whole thing worked out. And that relationship. Do you know that Yao Ming is head of Chinese basketball? And that one of the things that pissed people off with the government was when Daryl Morey of the Sixers, back when he was with the Rockets, said that stupid thing. Even though he was right. But when he said it, it pissed off the Chinese government. They went to Yao. Then Yao went to Adam Silver and said, hey, you know, we're going to pause a little bit here. The NBA doesn't make a ton of money. Well, they do make a ton of money in American broadcasting, but they make a ton of money in China and in Europe. That's why having the guy from the Nuggets as your MVP is a big deal. It's a big deal. I I, I, I get it, Glenn. I get it. I know. if If I'm not mistaken... If I'm not mistaken, isn't he Dominican and beat? I'm not, I forget where he's from. Right? I forget where he's from. Ed says, Hey, Sills, have you watched film on Britton Coving? He was an undrafted return man from Utah. The Eagles signed him. Not going to lie, the kid looks like a game changer for special teams and gadget plays. Do you know something, Edge? I want to tell you this. You ready for this? Edge, do you know that half the NFL is undrafted or low-drafted players? You have to have guys like that. Cameroon? Okay. I, I didn't know where he's from. I had no idea. Hilton, I had no idea where he's from. I know that he was he, – he's a foreign-born player. From Africa? Okay. It's awesome. Yeah, hey, soccer is enormous in Africa as well. Okay, so is cricket. Yeah, you know, hey, I'm just saying, America, look at what the NFL is doing, though, in Europe, okay? The NFL is now playing a game in Munich. They want some of that European money. No dis, no disrespect to Africa, but again, there's not a big, sp- outside of soccer, right? Europe is F1, basketball, soccer. All stuff translates back to American dollars and American television. That's where America wants to be. They want to be in Europe. They want to get, why do you think we air 
on NBC every Sunday, the Premier League. Why do you think that is? They air that because of the advertising dollar. Do you know that Manchester United, those those, uh, jerseys they wear, they've got a deal. I think it's still with AEG, if I'm not mistaken. They got a deal for $300 million to put that on their jerseys. And the Glazers, oh, by the way, the Glazers own the Bucks. What team do you think is worth more, the Buccaneers or Man U? Those Premier League teams, Hoss, they're in like, you know, you start talking about the biggest uh, revenue and most expensive teams in the world. Those European soccer teams, I mean, (laughs) I can promise you the Jets are not going to be in the league with Man U. You're not going to be in the league with Man U, man. Big money. Big money. Hey, half the league, guys, is undrafted. You need to have undrafted guys on your roster. You do. Hey, and that's right. Greece is European too. Giannis won twice. That's huge. Having a guy like Giannis representing the world and not just the... You see, what people don't realize... Did you see that picture the other day? They had Hamilton. Who was it? They had Hamilton, Beckham, Jordan, and Brady. If you took that same picture and you put it in Europe, do you know who they would put in order? In America, that order goes Jordan, Brady, Beckham, Hamilton. If you took that picture to Barcelona or Rome, it would go Beckham, Jordan, because of the brand, Hamilton, Brady. That picture with those four superstars, Brady would be the less guy known in Europe. (laughs) America, pro football, when you're not the best in the world, when you say, well, you know, you're in you're one of the top 32 quarterbacks. Okay, well, great. That's only America and really Canada, whatever. You're the best hoop player in the world. That's a thing. You're the best hockey player in the world. That's a thing. You're the best soccer player in the world. That's a thing. Okay? Play soccer all over the world. You don't play pro football all over the world. You play football in the friendly confines of America. That's, that kid Hamilton, who's that sensational F1 driver? Dude, he's in the same conversation with Michael Schumacher. Michael Schumacher is a legend in the world of auto racing. You you ever wonder when you see those F1 guys, when they go to Indianapolis and they want to try to win that race, they go in that race and they destroy the American open wheel drivers. Those guys are psychos that race in those Grand Prix. Psychos. I, I heard Xander and them talking. Get this, you know the cars were $12 million, right? The engine's 10. <laughs> That's a fact. Okay, the engine is 10. The engine is $10 million. The rest of the parts around the F1 car is two and a half. The engine itself is a $10 million piece of engineering. If that thing had wings, it, it'd be a jet. 
it'd be a jet. When 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 Grand Prix was in uh, St. Pete for a while, I used to go over there and I got a chance to be around those guys. They're they're, they're and the chicks that hang out there too, by the way. Good night. Good night. <laughs> All right. Though we gave you a little education in TV. Dude, having guys like Giannis and the Joker for the NBA's the I love what Rick said too in the last hour. Okay. What Rick said in the last hour, I don't know who, who wins who wins the NBA championship. I really don't know. Who comes out of the East? Could it be the Sixers? We'll find out tonight. Sixers got to win tonight. Got to win tonight. By the way, let Jimmy Butler get 35. Shut down Hero and the rest of them dudes. Jimmy Butler's going to get it. The Sixers don't have anybody to stop him. Philly asked me a great question. Sills, what kind of cars do you like? Well, here, I'll tell you, Philly, the kind of cars that I've had. Here, let me think. Cars that I've had. I think you guys may like this. Here's the cars that I've had. I had a Maserati Quadraport. I had a Lotus. I had a 911. I had a Corvette. A Mercedes-Benz 500. Yeah. I really liked the Quadraport. Thing was cool. The Lotus, when I bought it, I knew I made a mistake. I barely fit in it. But this mid-engine car was incredible. Okay? It was incredible. Oh, dude, my 911. (laughs) Get this, man. I had championship gears on it, too. Big Sills had this thing. This 911. By the way, these 911s are more roomier inside than you think if you've never been inside one. I wanted to get an Austin Martin, but, dude, you're talking $300,000. Okay? You're talking three hundred grand. Hey, Zach. Zach, let me tell you this. My friend Jerome, obviously, you know, me and him were stupid nuts. So my friend Jerome, Jerome Brown, dude, 69 goat, my uncle had three of them. Get this. <clears throat> Jerome's in this Grand National. He just buys the car. He gets drafted by the Eagles, okay? He gets this car. And here's Jerome. Jerome goes like this. Hey, want to bet 100 bucks? Right out front of our college at the University of Miami. What's that thing called? Miracle Mile? Miami Way? Whatever it was. I forget what the hell that thing was called. Coral Way? We had a road out front of the school. Jerome's in this sedan. I had ne- I didn't, I had no idea what a Grand National was. I'm in a Corvette. This guy crushed me. In this Grand... Have you guys ever... Hey, have you guys ever heard of a Grand National? I don't even know if they... I don't even know if they exist. Okay? I, I, don't, even, I don't even know if they have them today. 
Okay, but this Grand National, man, he gets this thing kicked my ass. I'm in a brand new Corvette, and Jerome just rolled me. Went over, and I go, here's 100 bucks." He's like, yeah, what do you think? This little car here, Jerome loved fast cars, man. That thing was a beast. A Grand National, fast as shit, man. Look up, hey, that Lotus, it was blue. It had cream-colored seats and 250s as wheels on them. Hey, Manster. Yeah, and now guess what? I'd rather have a rickshaw. Okay? I got a Hummer. It sits out there. I barely move it. And guess what I drive around right now? I drive around my wife's um, Honda Pilot because it gets 25 miles gas because I'm too cheap now. Dude, my, my, my Hummer gets... Like, oh, my God, like 13, 14 miles a gallon. I hate that thing, right? I own it, and I own both cars, but, man, I've been in a mini, Sydney. Oh, man. Dude, I've been in a mini. Hey, Sills, don't blame your gas expense. <laughs> Love a Hummer. Me too. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good night. Merry Christmas. Try to veal. <laughs> All right. Let me reset. You guys are stupid. <laughs> Dude, an Audi's good. A Fiat 500, man. Dude, 250 bucks to fill up? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, man. Oh. Hummers are good at night. You guys are stupid. I mean, get this. You know what? You know what, too? I'm, I'm afraid to look down at my phone because I can imagine what Jerry Jones and Steven, because Jerry Jones watched the interview. You guys are losers. Cowboys suck. You guys are terrible. Hate you. Hey, Steven's lips are on his father's pipe. <laughs> hey, dude. <laughs> oh, man. And, and, and you know where I, you know what happens? And, and uh, Xander knows her. Shelby will send me an email going. Should I say it? Shelby will send me an email. Stephen Jones is private secretary. And she'll go like this. This is why we love playing Eagles. And I go, why is that? Well, 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 you know, we're just watching everything. And, you know, and I'm going like this. So you saw big Chris, huh? <laughs> And you saw the rest of these stone odds, right? She's like, eh, this was the last time. That's kind of why I thought I'd space it out. But you guys don't forget. You're like, you're like elephants. Bugatti. I've been in one. Never driven one, no. Oh, man. You guys are terrible. <laughs> Dan, what is wrong with your viewers and followers? You know what I say? Well, they're Eagle fans. What do you? Oh, <laughs> uh, they're Eagle fans. What do you want me to say? You think they're going to go like this? Hey, I love the Cowboys. You're never going to get a true Eagle fan to do this. Hey, how you doing? You know, hey, it's great to hear from Jerry and Steven. <laughs> oh, man. And now, hey, 
Ran his ass off. Okay, Davey boy. Okay, okay. So you ran the... Hey, congratulations. Uh, Congratulations, guys. You ran the owner of the Cowboys off. Wonderful. Now, would you run the owner of the Steelers off if I get Dan Rooney on? Oh, Tony. It's been a hard day today, man. People got mad at me because I put the owner of the Cowboys on. Really? Bugattis are illegal in um, Australia? Is that right? Huh. By the way, you think with the improvements you made, you beat the Cowboys? Sydney, yes. You guys think you're better than the Cowboys right now. How about this? We already split with the cowgirls? When was that? (laughs) Hey, wait a minute. You're right with him. Is your quarterback better than Dak? You think your quarterback that you have right now is better than Dak Prescott? Jalen Hurts. Yes, sir. We will split this year. Okay. GT, you're, you think that Jalen Hurts is better than Dak. The color is canary yellow. You could see it from a satellite in space. Colby. I'm asking you if you think your quarterback's better than Dak. Honest person would say no. You must be talking about a fanatical fan then. Good morning, TEC. The only bearing the Cowboys are giving the Eagles is the cheerleader. <laughs> oh, my God, Logan. What a good one. Does it? No, 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 Davy boy. I asked you a question. Do you think Jalen Hurts is better than Dak Prescott? Kanjo, we don't know. You don't know right now. You can't answer that question. Wow, you guys won't answer the question. Is Jalen Hurts better than Dak? Yes, no. Don't fill in the blank. I'm not asking you to. Even. Oh, man. Come on, Shane. Dak is better. Not yet. No. Hertz isn't better than Dak. Okay. It's not comparable. Francis. Francis, it's wishful thinking if you think that. So you think Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts are in the same room, and so you think Jalen Hurts is going to get a $45 million contract from the Philadelphia – You, hey, that's another great – holy cow. I'm going to ask that question out of the timeout. I want you to sit and roost on this one. Say he has a good year. Do you really believe – that Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman 
are going to pay Jalen Hurts $45 million a year on a five-year contract if he has an improved year? Yes or no? Hit the like button. Keep it right here on the National Football Show. After a car crash, the big insurance companies you see advertising on TV, they may try to downplay your case. You might say, it's only a fender bender or it's just a herniated disc. I worry that some law firms fall for this BS. Not us. We put ourselves in your shoes and ask, what would it be like to be in your pain for the rest of our lives? A million dollars wouldn't be enough for me. There's only one Morgan & Morgan. Forthepeople.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that can you search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Oh, boy. $45 million. You think they're going to pay a kid who can't hit the open side of a barn door. Come on, man. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Hey. Oh, my God. All right, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be nice here now. So, 
So you, you, how many people believe that the ownership group and the general manager are going to pay Jalen Hurts $45 million a year on a five-year contract if he has a better year this year going into his final season? Do you think they'll give him a contract extension? By the way, him being a second-rounder, there is no pickup of, a, of an extension because he's a second-rounder, okay? There's no extension like you are if you're a first-rounder. Let me see here. 45 times five. So you think the Eagles are going to pay Jalen Hurts $225 million if he has a good year this year? Gravy, zero chance. Absolutely, Michael. They aren't paying $45 million. I don't think Jalen is the kind of guy who would want to be the top-paid quarterback. Logan. <laughs> That's really nice, man. If you live in fantasy land or if you live at the Magic Kingdom, okay? <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you live where Cinderella lives, and hey, I like living in the land of make-believe, <laughs> that you don't think that that's a factor, the Wizard of Oz would want a pay raise. But you think because Jalen is what? A good dude? Good dude and smart business guy have nothing in common. Don't pay him 30. So Jalen's going to take 30. That's not what the NFL Players Association is going to be saying. So he think you think he's going to take a pay cut on what these quarterbacks. So wait a minute. So obviously, wait, hey. We're getting into something here. Hang in there now. If Jalen Hurts ain't make a top dollar, he ain't a top flight quarterback. You got to pick one or the other. Well, you know, Jalen's a good guy and all, and, you know, he'll take 25 to 30. Well, then he ain't a top flight guy. Do you know Baker Mayfield is going to sit on his ass this year? If he plays or he doesn't play and he's getting $18 million, the Browns have to pay him $18.5 million because it's guaranteed. They got to pay him 18 and a half and he don't have a job. And by the way, I would say this to you, Baker, with the seven first round quarterbacks that are going into the draft next year, prospects don't look that hot for him. As Baker Mayfield sits out more and more and more every week, his job prospect is diminishing because you know what these teams are going to do? They'll go with Drew Locke in Seattle or Geno Smith, and they'll put along until they get into the draft next year. That's what they're doing. And see, this is exactly what Howie's doing. Well, see, there's some, there's two factors here for Jalen Hurts that he's got to overcome. Let's put it out here. One, Jalen's got to play better and better enough where we're talking 42, 4,300 yards. Got to play better. Then you got to figure out this. Is Jalen going to be good enough for us to pass on any of those seven quarterbacks that are going into the first round? Yes or no? Matt Hatter, he's throwing to um, Michael Gallup, and he's throwing to Schultz, and he's throwing to CeeDee Lamb. I don't think that's terrible. 
Then you got to figure out what to pay, Jalen. Talent coming out in college next year. It's going to be one of the deepest classes at quarterback in a while. QB class. How much would you pay Jalen Hurts? GT, if he wins the Super Bowl, they'll be compelled to pay him $45 million. If he puts a performance on like he did this last year, Jalen Hurts, by the way, makes $1.2 million right now. Either one two or one five. One two or one five. And you think they're gonna go like this, the Eagles. From one five. Let's say the high. Hey, uh, Jalen, here's a five year, forty-five million. <laughs> because you know that's what the organization's known for. Now they have spent a hundred million dollars on this wide receiver here. And the Titans only offered him $16 million. $45 million ain't cheap, dog. 20 to 25? Then he's not a top-flight quarterback. Lucky Eagles won't have cap room till two, three years. So they'll have time to extend him. I don't give a shit if it's this year, three years, or four years. You think this organization is paying Jalen Hurts $50 million a year? How about this? If you put Jalen Hurts on the open market today, how much money would you pay him to be your quarterback? Take the Eagles out of the conversation. Watch this. I think that's a great exercise. How much would you pay for um how much would you pay Aaron Rodgers for him to come in and play on your team? I'd pay him 50. How much would you pay Brady? 50. How much did you pay Matthew Stafford? 40. How much you pay Russell Wilson? 35. 40 million. Put 40. Mahomes. 45.50. Allen. 45.50. Dak. He ain't a 40. uh, 45 million. How about pay Dak 35? 10 it's probably paying 10 million more Let's see how much did you pay jalen how much did you pay jalen would you pay him more than 20 god when joe burrow's deal comes up How much did you pay Burrow? 50. Yeah. 20 to 25 million you're going to pay Jalen Hurts. You would pay Jalen Hurts $46 million. Guys, look at the money you're saying. You don't even believe in them. That's not franchise money. If you're talking to me about paying Jalen Hurts, in a year and a half from now, $25 million a year, I'm going into the draft next year. You even know it. Franchise tag? Franchise tag is 29.7. 
You think he's a $30 million a year guy? You think they'll franchise tag him? Really? Let's see. The tag will probably be next year, 32-33. Be like 32-33 by next year because it's probably going to go up to 214 million, something like that. Here's a better question. If he wins a playoff game next year, are you good letting him walk or tagging him with 30? That's a spectacular question. Yeah. I love that. Let's do this one. If he wins the Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts, or excuse me, if he wins a playoff game this coming 2022 season, are you good letting him walk or tagging him for roughly north of $32 million? The way he walks. I'm talking about letting the Eagles letting him walk. No doubt, no matter what they're drafting, the kid out of you, another inexpensive quarterback for four years, Jeffrey Wright. Especially if they win the NFC easy. I'm thinking you think East, Michael. Depends on his stats. I'd sign him. You would sign him to a $40 million. You would sign him to a $32 million franchise tag. So next year, you think the Eagles should tag him $32 million? He's a $32 million a year guy. How about this? If, if if this year, this last year, was his last year and the Eagles had to make a decision, do you think they would have tagged him this year at quarterback for 29-7? You think they would have tagged him? You think they would have tagged him? If Jalen was in his last year, this was his last year, put the team in the playoffs, Right? Had a pretty pretty fair first season. Seals, did you pay Dak 45 per? No. I would have let Dak Prescott walk because I'll say this to you. If you put Dak Prescott on the open market, do you think Dak gets 45 million? Do you think Dak is a $45 million per year guy? Like, watch this. I keep using the low bar of Kirk Cousins. You think Dak's better than Cousins? Boy, I don't. I don't. See, Kirk Cousins, to me, is the low end of the really good quarterbacks. His stats say it. Six, 4,000-yard passing seasons, Right? 007 says Sirianni loves him and how he loves him. 
Yeah, 1.2 million. Who wouldn't love him? 007. The Eagles are about dough here. Who wouldn't love a guy on a rookie contract making 1.2 million? I love you. Hey, you're damn right I love you. Eagles don't have to start paying that big money yet. Look how butthurt they were when Wentz was making, you know, all that money, and then they knew that escalator was kicking in. Remember something, man? They had $34 million of dead money just on his ass alone last year. They got that off the books, and there's still $35 million of dead cap money. Five and a half of it is Alshon Jeffrey still hanging around like a anchor around that franchise's neck. Boy, man, our gravy goes as Cousins won a playoff game. No, I don't think so. No, but Jalen's not better than him. It's not close. He has not done anything near what that guy has done. Nothing. And I don't see him being the passer he is. He's not going to throw for 4,000. Dude, Donovan McNabb never threw for 4,000 yards, but Jalen Hurts is. Come on, man. You're not. You're kidding yourselves. Kid will be around 3,700 yards, 3,650, some, something like that, 20 touchdowns, 800 yards rushing if he doesn't get banged up. Come on, man. Is Jalen better than Bryce Young? Jalen's not better than Tua. That's what Nick said. And who are you going to trust? Saban, who's putting quarterbacks and wide receivers in the NFL at an incredible clip? Or are you going to believe some guy sitting in the Eagles uh, player development room talking to you about quarterbacks? Who are you going to believe? Nick? whose quarterbacks are getting drafted. Do you know, think about this, what Saban has done at Alabama. So prior to Mac Jones getting drafted in the first round and Tua going in the first round, do you know the last quarterback to go from Alabama in the first round who he was? Do you guys have any idea? This goes back to the 70s. Richard Todd with the Jets. Then you have to go into the 60s with Namath and Stabler. All of a sudden, now you're getting Tua. You're getting Mac Jones. This collection of wide receivers, which is unbelievable in what we're watching now. Saban's putting people into the NFL at an incredible clip because he's got great coaching and the talent wants to play at Alabama because the talent gets all the exposure because they play in the SEC and they play the biggest games. And Saban at Alabama said that Jalen wasn't good enough. This guy was the former Southeastern Conference Offensive Player of the Year there too. Shit, he may have been like either second or third team all SEC at the quarterback position, and they still yanked his ass. My problem, GT, with Bryce Young, it's not his competitiveness. 
it, it's his size a little bit. But then again, I start seeing Kyler Murray. Could he play in today's NFL? Because you're not going to hit these quarterbacks like you did back in the day. You're not going to undress these guys. Matt Hatter, Dan, are you flopping? Are you flip-flopping? You said Tua is not better. No, 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 no. I said, according to Nick Saban, Tua's not better. Or Tua's better than Jalen. According to Nick, Nick Saban said that Tua was better. He's not better in Alabama eyes than Tua took of Viola. Bryce Young is Justin Fields. You think he's a bust? I never thought Justin Fields. I saw him in the Indiana game, his final season at Ohio State. I saw him struggling against a pretty good secondary. I said right there, that guy will struggle in the NFL, and I don't see him ever pulling out of it. Okay, that's a good point. 007, Saban failed in the NFL. Well, his guys aren't. Isn't that funny? But 007 just said, Saban failed in the NFL. Well, his guys ain't. His guys aren't. This guy's made billions of dollars for players at Alabama. Kirk Cousins won one playoff game against the Saints. Okay. Sills, you said that he was a Pro Bowl alternate. That's because he was. It's because he was. Just something I said that was not true. So, Sills, if the Eagles can't get a top quarterback and let Jalen go, what do they do? Keep Jalen. See, they're going to, but they're going to draft a quarterback. There's going to be seven of them. There's going to be seven. Hey, and by the way, here, let me look at this. Guys. It so much doesn't matter. It so much doesn't matter who you think. Outside of Shula, everybody has failed with the Dolphins, including Jimmy. Jimmy was 28 and 20. Guys, with all these quarterbacks that are going to go into the draft, it's not important who's the first quarterback taken. it's not important if he's the fifth quarterback taken. If you had to redraft Patrick Mahomes' draft again, or Justin Herbert, or Josh Allen, how about Lamar Jackson being the 32nd player taken? Look at, it's not about where you're drafted. Look at Mahomes. What, what, where was Mahomes drafted? What was he, 11th? What was he, like 11th? Lamar was 32. Didn't Tua go ahead of Justin Herbert? You think the Dolphins like to have that back again? So listen, with these quarterbacks, Will Levis, quarterback, Kentucky. Stroud, Ohio State. Bryce Young, Bama. Van Dyke, Miami. Devin Leary, NC State. 
Malik Cunningham, Louisville. Anthony Richardson, Florida. We've got seven dudes. One of these guys is going to be a star. The other two are probably going to be really good, and the rest of them are going to be bust. That's how this thing's going to play out. The Kentucky kid's going to go number one overall. Bryce will probably be the second player taken. Isn't this crazy? Bryce Young will probably have in the bank $4 million before he even signs a pro contract. You see what Saban's in, um, starting to do with his um, with his nil rulings. If a player comes in, he's got to share his nil. You'll lose recruits you start doing that. You'll lose recruits. Because LSU will say, no, you get to keep it all. Or Texas A&M will say, no, you get to keep it all. Okay? I wouldn't start playing around with that ruling until someone comes in and makes me have to change the direction of it. You know, it's okay for Nick to make $13 million a year. Kid makes money like Bryce Young. Find out if the kid's got character and he shares it with his O-line or he shares it with his teammates. Philly says, Sills, it's easy to win the lottery when you know the numbers. Don't, don't think the Bears would want Mahomes. Dude, nobody thought Mahomes would be Mahomes. Carl, I don't like any Ohio State quarterback. You can't name me one that has starred in the NFL out of that program. They do not produce NFL quarterbacks, and they never will. They never will. They have athletes playing that position. They do not have true offensive quarterbacks that translate their game to the NFL. The only quarterback that has actually done anything in the NFL is maybe Schleister and Mike Tomzak. The rest of them have been bums. Every one of them. Every one of them. Saban about to retire, Davy Boy says. Davy Boy, that was one of the reasons that Coach K got out of the business of basketball because he didn't like the way the direction of college sports. Got to start paying guys, going to the highest bidder. We knew this day was coming. Everybody put their head in the sand. Players were eventually going to get paid. You really think you're going to expand a college playoff and television networks and universities and coaches and ADs are making zillions of dollars and you were just going to sit there and not pay the kid anything? Why should the kid play in a bowl game? Why? So you could make millions? If I played at Alabama and I was a superstar and I was going to be the first pick in the draft, why would I play in a national title game? When I'm going to be guaranteed $50 million, why would I do that? Why would I put my ass on the line like that and have an injury like Matt Corral? Why would I do that? So you would think team spirit shit? Give me a break. I don't begrudge these kids who do this. Hey, man, you know, I'm not going to play in this game here because what if I get hurt? Damn right. You're going to cash $50 million in for your generational wealth for your family so that your coach can make all the money and you're taking all the risk. Why should the kid take all the risk? Coach takes no risk. But then he tells you, hey, you got to go out and play. It's team spirit and all that other shit. 
I play because I love to play football. But come on, man. Barrett hated Bobby Hoeing. <laughs> yeah, because he gave up nine sacks in a game, and Bobby Hoeing held on to the damn ball too much. By the way, that's one of Brady's boys. <laughs> Brady, 30, Brady's going to make more money as a broadcaster over the next 10 years than he is going to make this year an annual salary. I think he's making 30 or something. He's going to make $37 million next year for integrity. Yeah, that's the one. I love it. I will be watching the Sixers tonight. Doc Rivers versus Eric Spolstra. Interesting. <laughs> we'll see what ends up happening. Boatload of stuff. By the way, I can't wait to hear Howie Roseman on Sports Take tomorrow. We'll be playing some of that sound right here on the National Football Show. I can't wait to hear this, man. Big Sills' retort to what they're going to say. I can't wait to listen. Make sure I sell Bob Lang. Hey, that's really awesome getting him on. All good. I can't wait to talk to you guys tomorrow. Appreciate everybody coming aboard. I want to thank my guest, Stephen Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, and Rick Berry coming on talking some NBA. Till tomorrow, 3 to 6 Eastern. We'll see you on the flip side. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.